This Watch Out for Fireballs Dispatch episode is brought to you by our patrons at patreon.com slash DougFeedTV. Head on over to check out what we have on offer, which includes full episodes of this show, Watch Out for Fireballs, once per month, as well as uh, episodes of Abduct Suffering, Adaptation Decay, uh, Bonfire Side Chat, all a, a bunch of really cool content um, just for throwing us a buck twenty-five a week. Uh, you get tons of stuff. So head on over. Again, that is patreon.com slash duckfeedtv. This is Gary Butterfield. This is Cole Ross. And you're listening to Watch Out for Fireballs Dispatch, our monthly Q&A topics, response, anything goes. Yeah, the, 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 the monthly WAF variety show. Oh, well. No. <laughs> yeah, I got little Jolson right there. Yep. Tiny <laughs> Jolson, you got that infinite sneaking in. I, I did. I certainly didn't mean to go Jolson. I was more for like a vaudeville kind of thing. Oh, I... <laughs> Yeah, they named three vaudeville acts. Um, let's see here. Amos and Nope. No, okay. Yeah, no, yeah. yeah. No. It's, it's not. It's not a good time, man. Yeah, like it's, they're, they're not good. Um, oh, yeah. It is a. It is a troublesome era. Yeah. For not great music. Yeah, yeah. For just 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 for lots of folks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, but... poor folks. <laughs> uh, so the first WAF dispatch that we did last month, uh, I the the response on that has been good. I'm happy that people seem to um, care for these. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I like that people dig it because I like doing them. Yeah, um, and I'm going to enjoy doing this one. We're going to answer some questions. Um, mm-hmm. As for people listening to this on the public feed, the way you get to ask these questions is by being a patron. Mm-hmm. You go to Patreon.com/slash/DuckFeedTV. You can check that out. Um, so we're going to answer some questions, and then we're going to talk about kind of a bigger subject, mm-hmm. and then we're going to do a, a, a read your responses. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so we're going to try and do, you know, a, a, a bunch of these questions, but the same disclaimer as last time. If we don't get to yours, like, the, there is a rolling list that carries all of them forward. Mm-hmm. Some of these questions will uh, be holdovers from last month, mm-hmm. um, and, you know, just the way it's going to go. If they pile up, we'll do a uh, we, we we will do something special to uh, clean house and yeah, reset things. Them. Yeah, but we'll get a bunch of the old ones. Yeah, on this go round, I think. Yep. Yeah. Um. Let me. I'll go ahead and start us out. Uh, here. Um. This is one of the ones from last month. Uh, Eric asks, uh, "What are some non-widely reviled game tropes that you guys hate? For example, while playing Celeste, I realized that I have never ever had fun in high wind levels in platformers. <laughs> for example, level two of Ninja Gaiden two. But I don't think I've ever heard anyone complain about them the same way folk complain about, say, escort missions or water levels. So I'm taking this to be, uh, what are your non-cliche uh, pet peeves? Ooh, it's really hard. Okay. It's really hard to not be cliche. That's that's the trick. <laughs> I, I decided to go for a challenge mode one because after this, it'll be all, you know, all smooth sailing. Yeah, it'll it'll be all all downhill from here. Um, in terms of in terms of effort, of, co- of course. Uh, so yes. you so you picked this one. Did you did you have something in mind? Um, the thing I was going to say was kind of esoteric and, and kind of not a cop out, but like a little <laughs> bit like it doesn't, 
you know, it's hard for me to think of an exact example right now. Mm -hmm. I just know that we brought it up on shows and I don't like it when characters say the theme of the game. Yeah. (laughs) Out loud. Um, I think that is pretty inexcusable and happens like it's very hard for me to think of an example right now because even though we had this, I had these questions. It is I still to be a little bit on the spot. Mm -hmm. But I feel like that is uh, and, and it's ties in with this month with Bioshock Infinite with, you know, the multiple times characters just say the themes that they're going for in that game. Um, I think that that requires more subtext. And uh, oh, here's, here's one too. I'll, I'll two for one. Yeah. Uh, so everyone's heard me complain about JRPGs constantly. Um, one of the things that I, even the modern ones that are more complicated that I think is, I don't hear a lot of people complaining about all that often is like hiding your complex systems behind hours and hours of gameplay. Yeah. yeah. So I don't like it when a new system is introduced 13 hours into a game that would have made the first 13 hours more enjoyable and interesting. Hmm. Yeah, it's uh it is absolutely um just a real kind of waste of time, right? Like you mm-hmm. could have the, the, <laughs> if if you were confident enough to build that system out and think about it, it probably could have been introduced in a small way and then expanded later on, right? And I'm I'm not a baby. Yeah. Like I you know, I'm 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 I can play a, a complicated game. Like I can, you know, Learn about uh, I'd rather be thrown in the deep end and, you know, with tutorials and with um, <clears throat> reference stuff to, uh, to to read about. But I'd rather have that happen than just like I don't need 13 hours before I can be introduced to something yeah. like that. Um, and that's obviously like that's what Final Fantasy 13 does. But it's also like I think about watching Will Hughes play um, uh, Xenoblade yeah. and how you don't get the mechs until like hour 50 or something. Mm-hmm. And it introduces a whole bunch of com- you know mechanics, and it's like you know you could argue there are other reasons to wait that long to do it, but at the same time, it's just like well, this, you know, this sure looks like it would have been more fun with this stuff than without it. Yes. So, yeah. So 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 what was all this before that? Yep. Yep. Give me your your core gameplay initially. Yeah, um, man, this is really, really tough. From a story standpoint, I really don't like when there is obviously a character who was included to be a shortcut to make you care about them. See, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like, oh, this is your, this is your little brother, your little sister. This is your, uh, you know, just, just again, just like a shortcut, mm-hmm. <laughs> a shortcut for it. Like, you know, as much as I like the game, you know, Sh- Sherry is a little bit of that and she's only saved by having um by having such a relationship to the main plot right sherry from resident evil 2 yes for people who don't just know who sherry is yeah sorry yeah this is this is actually part of our sponsorship for the berries the the titular berries yeah well no sherry's berries with berry from resident evil (laughs) (laughs) this yeah (laughs) but but it's like if you oh my god (laughs) these are good (laughs) yeah (laughs) you were almost a sherry sandwich um i mean um, like you know with with a with a chocolate wafer cookie and one of those berries in between it yeah and mm -hmm. yeah no tasty Yeah, so that's kind of the story, the 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 story one for me. Um the second one is um I don't like it when a game just kind of like uh presents a bunch of quests to you when you walk into a town and like it's just people oh, with yeah. uh with uh with with exclamation marks over them. That is something like that that, that that wow introduced. Um just kind of like, oh, go over here and collect all these quests to go, you know, possibly collect a bunch of other things. Like, and that is a real mainstay in um 
Elder in, Scrolls. Yeah, Elder Scrolls in any kind of open world game. And I yeah. I really, really prefer a more organic approach where you are going to like find them by walking into a like like just ha- trust me to walk into a building and talk to the most interesting yep. looking person there. You yep. know? There there's um the games are like uh the Fallout New Vegas and and Fallout Three are pretty good about doing it well. Mm-hmm. I think for Bethesda, when I played Skyrim, like it's actually extremely insidious. It, it's they think that it is a feature for sure because they yeah. do. Um, you get a quest and it's like I'm clearing out all the side quests in this town. That's what I want to do. Yeah, I get a side quest that sends me to another town and like literally three people run up to me to give me quests, <laughs> and I'm just there to drop off a you know a Daedric dildo or some bullshit, right? <laughs> right. Like I'm not there to like I'm not staying, folks. <laughs> my my dad. I have very few memories of my dad, but one of them is whenever he would do like a turnabout in a driveway. Uh-huh. He would always say, don't get out of the coffee, folks. We're not staying. Okay. Like, every single time he did it. And I want to be able to, like, hold when I'm holding down shift, mm-hmm. it's don't bring out the coffee, folks. I'm not staying. Yeah. Like, no one talked to me. I'm just here to complete a quest, and I will be back when I get to this town as I slowly methodically clear the map. Yeah. G- give give me a button for the Irish goodbye. Yep, exactly. <laughs> you know? <laughs> like... Or just, like, a, like, like, you should be able to have, like, a... So, like a, a a non-critical like an invisibility you can only use for this right like you know not for i can't sneak through a dungeon you know all skeletons can see me but all quest givers cannot invisible yeah. to quest giver mode mm-hmm. yeah that stuff is extremely annoying yeah so with uh, you on that one yeah uh here's a question from, from bob witz um again about games uh you guys don't seem to have a big problem with souls itis the inability to enjoy normal games after being exposed to the souls series can you talk about that a bit i had a very hard time playing anything that wasn't souls for years uh though it has gotten much better since the crushing disappointment of the ringed city um i don't i thought i would have i talked about souls itis in the first uh, dark souls mm-hmm. and i was just like how how could i go back to to god of war after an action game like this and i i've come off that quite a bit um because mm-hmm. i now think um having played a lot of dark souls and souls likes mm-hmm. and having played uh you know since i'm i'm still kind of struggling through daughters of ash i can see how many um hours i played dark souls and it's like approaching 400 for yeah. dark souls one mm-hmm. um i now realize that as much as dark souls is really great there are lots of things it just doesn't do. Mm-hmm. And I've come to peace, uh, peace with the idea that um, I play games for lots of different reasons. And, uh, you know, mm-hmm. if I want to play a game and Dark Souls doesn't do that thing, I got to play a different game. Yep. You know? <laughs> like, you know, it's just uh, uh, there, there are lots of foods that I really enjoy, but, you know, some of them don't, don't give me the vitamins that I need. You yeah. know, <laughs> or even if they do, like, even if it's a food you really like and it is nutritionally complete to you. Yeah. Like sometimes just variety, like it's fun yeah, to eat a pancake. Yeah. You know, yeah. and and this this uh will very really vary and stuff like, you know, it, it, this is not me saying it's it's interesting because it's not about um like difficulty at all, which I think a lot of people would feel that way about souls where it's like oh I just want something like I can turn my brain off. Right. I don't want that. I want to think in different ways. Like mm-hmm. we're doing um we're like currently we were talking off mic and we're doing uh, this upcoming month Frostpunk for the show. Um. You have to think in that game, you think in a totally different way mm-hmm. than you think um, in Dark Souls. In no way is that an easy game either. <laughs> no, it's exceedingly difficult, you know. Um, same thing with, like, you know, my my love for, for vent crawlers. I restarted a, a Deus Ex run because there's a mod I wanted to try, like mm-hmm. a, a revamp of it. And I'm like, I have to think during this game. I have to think in entirely different ways. Yes. Um, and beca- I think it speaks to what I get out of Souls, too, because a lot of people, specifically on the Slack, 
are very tied to Dark Souls and specifically Bloodborne because mm-hmm. they are um, much more horny than I am for game feel. Mm. Um, and that is just not very important to me. Yeah. Like I like a wide variety of clunky, weird game avatar things. Like somebody does not need to move smooth as butter right. or bust. Yeah. You know, it's not hard for me to go from Bloodborne to Demon Souls. Yeah. You know, Demon Souls, it's not hard for me to go from Bloodborne to um, Deus Ex. Yeah. You know, in terms of movement, like I can just, that stuff's always there. It doesn't go away. I just, I'm like, I'm okay. Well, I appreciate that while it's happening. And mm-hmm. now I want to appreciate something else. Yes. You answered a little, you, you, you hit a lot of like the critical reasons for me, just kind of like emotionally um, deciding, you know, like, so being happy or being satisfied a lot of times is a decision that you make, mm-hmm. you know, and, you know, again, to go to a food metaphor, um, I, I swear I'm not hungry. I had lunch. It's fine. Um, but no, like the best meal I ever had, A, I don't live in that city anymore, and B, you can't have it all the time. That doesn't mean there is no pleasure to be found in other foods, you know, mm-hmm. just because something that you've played is the best, it cannot suck all of the color and flavor out of every other game because mm-hmm. of that. Like you just, you know, you, you look for those different things. Um, at least for me it can temporarily oh yeah but it yeah. doesn't it doesn't last yeah well though i mean and, and if that's the case then i just end up doing something else besides playing games for a while yeah, that's true, true. <laughs> you know yeah um yeah so so for me it's like yeah just at, at a certain point do you actively decide to be happy and satisfied mm-hmm. yeah yeah and and just start uh for me like you know and you decide to be satisfied and you start examining like what are the things that i like i like doing mm-hmm. in games you know what are the things i liked before this came along that other games might be able to to do yeah yeah um thank you uh bob uh andrew says what are some games that you guys think have, have aged poorly and some have aged well uh specifically to story and mechanics over graphics uh, and he uses Deus Ex as an example of a game that has aged really well and has a lot to say about our present society, mm-hmm. which I agree. And I chose this because I had recent since I <laughs> you had already brought that up. Yeah. yeah and because it is, I'm not using that necessarily as my answer, but it is a great uh, it does age really, really well or has aged very well. Yeah. Um. I, so I'm still shocked. I know this is a, this was a while ago. I'm still shocked at how badly the original God of War aged for how mm-hmm. for, for how influential that game was. But I think that if I went and played stuff that was like a fast follow off of that, I would also think that that had aged pretty bad. <laughs> like, yeah. like, like uh, that that a uh, game of that style of like that hyper flashy button mash style character action game without like a platinum angle on it. Um, yeah, no, I just like it, it, that like that has shocked me at how 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 poorly that is uh, that, that that is aged. Yeah, yeah, that 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 is that has. Uh, I feel the same way about that game. Yeah. I think that's a really good, uh, real good answer for that. Um, I generally like a lot of, um, so another thing that I'll just say that has aged really poorly for me uh, personally, and it's, it's kind of heartbreaking because it's something um, I've been pushing for the show, but now I don't want to do it. Uh-huh. Um, revisit, but I might want, I'm going to try the sequel and see if it improves it is freedom force. Mm-hmm. Cause I've had a rational on the brain and just like remembering like, Oh, a rational used to make games that were not uh, Bioshock infinite. Yeah. Um, and that is a game that has so much personality and is so good, but is another one of the many, many games that sacrifices itself on the altar of difficulty. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't really know how to scale up the experience without just pumping numbers up to where the end is like a, a serious slog. Yeah. Um, in a, in a way that is extremely unfashionable. And it's interesting because I was playing it, the first part of it, um, this is kind of an answer for both because like the first third of it has aged really well 
in how like idiosyncratic it is to modern games. Yeah. Like it has, um, you know, that company that did Bioshock and people who worked on Thief and the like, um, it has these sim elements where every element and every creature in the game, every enemy is beholden to the same rules mm-hmm. that the player is and the player heroes are. And it gives you this very robust uh, character maker that you can use to um, just apply this really, really wild tool set mm-hmm. to a character. And it's really, really neat. It has that sim feeling. And I'm like, this feels very forward looking and cool. And then at the end, it is um, here are like tons and tons of robots that are resistant to everything except for one or two specific abilities. And most of the missions are just fight a bunch of them. Mm-hmm. And it's like, boy, like that sucks, <laughs> dog. Like that is that is shitty. Like this game is too long. Like in in a, a modern context, it would be like a, an eight hour game, mm-hmm. you know, perhaps. Um, and it would just go by a lot breezier and be a little bit less like harsh and hateful. Yeah. So I still want to, once I finish, I'm going to check out the sequel and see if the sequel would make a good waft because there is a lot of the cool stuff about these is really fucking neat. Yeah. The uncool stuff has aged horribly. And I, it was totally surprising to me. I didn't recognize it or realize it the first time I played it. Yeah. Um, I don't know that I have an answer off the top of my head about like what has aged super well. Um, I, you know what, here's what I'll say. Um, uh, peripheral based music games. I recently, oh, sure. yeah, I recently pulled out uh pulled out rock band and for as fad like as those are, um, still incredibly satisfying to play. Yeah. 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 That, that's kind of uh foolproof. Like that will never get bad. Yeah. You know? Yep. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, let's see. Um, I don't know if we're going to have any, uh, too much of an answer for this one, but I'm curious about it. We can uh, kind of seed the, uh, the lightning round questions in the main round yeah, rather yeah. than the lightning round. Yeah. Uh, Daniel Mesa asks, uh, when I played the first, when, when I first played Lionhead's black and white, I didn't have a pet. Now that I do, I think that the Lionhead guys must be sociopaths. What do you think of that game? Why does it let you beat your creature until it's black and blue? Um, I only, I watched Derek play that a little bit. I've never played it myself. Uh huh. Um, and I don't have strong opinions about it. Yeah. Um, I played it. I did like a couple of the maps and what have you. And like a lot of Lionhead stuff, it feels like a tech demo in search mm-hmm. of, in search of something fun to do in it. Um, but yeah, it's fucking gross to hit an animal. So, um, like that was not something that I, especially thought about back then but like yeah it's kind of the only way you can discipline them um you know, like your your avatar or whatever when they do something bad uh and aside from just being cruel uh, and inhumane it's also wrong um because mm-hmm. that's not how you motivate an animal that's how you make an animal hate you <laughs> so, yeah yep yep yeah no good yeah yeah, I uh, yeah, I have no strong good opinions, and I don't like hitting animals, yeah. so I don't. I'm not going to seek it out. No. Yeah. Um, also, I don't. I think that's one of those games that's just kind of impossible to play now. Yeah, I don't think it's around. Yeah. Um, my marvelous year. So Zach uh, asks us um, follow up on uh, last month's last month's question about roguelikes for Watch Out for Fireballs. Are there other genres that you feel are not represented on the show that you would like to dip your toes into? Sports sports yeah i want to do another sports game pyre pyre gave it to me uh, pyre uh, gave me the uh gave me the hunger i do not um i hated <laughs> the sports empire and i don't like <laughs> sports games and i don't like modern sports games okay <laughs> and i'm not to do a live veto i'm just like i don't want to do that like i want to do weird sports games yeah i mean but i don't yeah. want to i, I, like, like, I, I don't want like to do, do a weird sports do, game. Like, a football game no um, i don't want to do a football like, game but like yeah, what was 
what's wrong with you? Yeah, I, I want to do like Mario Tennis or something. Yeah, that's what you I, know. That would that would be fine. Yeah. Um. The uh, I think that we uh have still never done a proper racing game. Yeah. I think, and I guess that's kind of a sport. But I think that would be a good one. Um, and then also we're doing some more of the stuff uh, this year, but strategy is something that we haven't done very much of. And I'm yeah. very hungry for uh, currently. And I think is going to be, you know, good to do more of. Yeah. I, th- I think, so. I think that by making the first strategy game, we covered sacrifice. We, uh, we, I think, yeah, I think we, we, set back, well. <laughs> we set back the strategy on WAF um, uh, movement by several years. Yeah. Yeah. Yep sacrifice so strategy is my answer but we're doing that so yeah. strategies and roguelikes i want to get some mm-hmm. some of that stuff yeah. covered on the network mm-hmm. racing and sports games provided they have mario in the title pretty much <laughs> right yeah. so <laughs> you talked about like that baseball game do one super wanna baseball 2022 would be yeah. funny it would be fun like an old like baseball game or something like that i just don't want to like try to wade into madden 2018 no no but like, like a modern you know i just don't know what i would do with a modern sports game yeah like like if we did uh, a waff mini about nba jam i think that'd be fun that'd be okay yeah yeah even though like i don't know like i feel like i kind of got my nba jams out during pyre too mm. like that game's okay yeah um so so this is one i can answer real quick just because there like there's a simple answer for it uh eric asks is radio free Midworld ever coming back that show was one of the reasons i became a patron and i'd love to see the remaining books get the duck feed treatment i'm just having trouble getting guests uh that is something where it was my uh mistake at the beginning of the show to like not have a regular cast like like, like a like just like a regular co-host for it and seeking people out and like, yeah, finding the finding people who have, you know, read six or seven books and have microphones to come on exceedingly rare. So mm-hmm. working on that, the show is not dead. It's just uh, on hiatus while I try and get it together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, I'll do another quick one, too, yep. um, just because uh, I think that we both were on the same page. And it's a quick answer. Mm-hmm. Uh, Moonborn says, are there any object suffering games that you wish you had done as a WAF and vice versa? Um, and we just kind of like they're not mutually exclusive. Mm-hmm. And um, so kind of no, like if we run into an abject suffering that um, would make a good waff, we've shunted things yeah. from that. We've had a request and been like, we'll probably actually do this down the road. A lot of fireballs. We're not going to do it on abject suffering now. Mm-hmm. Or we just play the whole thing and end up doing something like contradiction, which yeah. the watch out for fireballs on contradiction would not be better or more meaningful than the abject suffering on it. Yes. See also bad mojo. Yeah. Bad mojo is another one. Um, you know, so uh, and then the vice versa, if there are games on WAF we'd rather have done for Abject Suffering, I don't think so because a bad, like a, a ornery WAF or a miserable game experience does not make a bad Watch Out for Fireballs, at least in our opinion. Right. And at least, you know, to people who who listen, who like those episodes yeah. that are kind of cranky. So, like, the reason to move it to Abject Suffering would be to kind of take it less seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, but we get, I think we make a lot of hay out of... Uh, not you know out of taking it seriously and actually looking at how it is yeah um and specifically by doing a waff on something we play the entire thing and so when i think of games that we spend the majority of the time dunking on see uh soul reaver see shadow of memories or shadow of destiny whatever it is called in your region like you you won't get to the part of that that is that that is juicy you won't you won't get to that sweet nut meat inside mm-hmm. in just the half hour that we would give it you know yeah so it, it, it kind of necessitates the waff approach even if the game is abject suffering quality right yep 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 yeah so 
Um, let's see here. Uh, this is just kind of a general life question. What were you guys like in high school? What embarrassing slash edgy things were you into? Um, I, it is hard for me to answer that question. I like, I don't really have a good answer. Yeah. Um, for that, I, uh, you know, had friends, drank a lot of coffee, like did not do a lot of drugs, um, played a lot of video games, was in a band. Um, not a whole lot of embarrassing edgy things I was into. Um, I was not like an edge kid. Like I like to think that, um, you know, there are things that I was not uh, into that end up being bad fits, but nothing that I find particularly embarrassing right now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was real similar in high school to what, to how I am now. Um, I was, you know, involved in things like choir and theater and academic challenge, stuff like that. The only like edgy thing that I did or like thing that is like, oh, yeah, that's a little bit aesthetically icky is I took. So what I did was I took silver Sharpies and all of my binders for different classes. Like I just wrote out lyrics or uh, embarrassing like fight club quotes on them, mm-hmm. you know, just like it just in really in really tight scrawled letters, you know, um, I thought that that said something about me and society. Um I d- I definitely did a little bit of like that kind of stuff too. I think yeah. writing out lyrics is just kind of a, uh, you know, right, like something kids just do. Yeah. And stuff. I used to do it on folders and you could erase the, the front of it. Oh if yeah. If you erased hard enough, you could actually like make a, you know, a reverse, like erase the front of a folder. Oh yeah. And that was a big thing in my school. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Pretty yeah. cool. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. Nothing, nothing too embarrassing. I, um, like I painted my nails a couple of times, mm-hmm. uh, you know, just trying out stuff mm-hmm. that's about it yeah mild level prankery and just in general like you know we were in high school pretty much right after the xbox came out so like playing halo was our big like social thing like we would get together mm. like at my house in the basement and set up four xboxes and you know play games and uh, probably say shitty things about women i don't know yeah probably <laughs> nothing great yeah probably. like the 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 interesting thing about the age difference between us is that like the kind of multiplayer Nintendo sixty four Xbox boom was before I was uh came after I was in high school. Mm-hmm. So like in high school it was uh PlayStation. You know, I guess like I, I didn't know anyone at the Nintendo sixty four. I guess that was yeah. still going on. But video games were not a social thing to mm. me in high school at all. It was a solitary pursuit on weekends and then during the week, um I would do band practice. I would watch Simpsons with friends like every day. I yeah. would play at like five and five thirty on Fox. Um and then uh we would like go out um during the summers or t- you know on weekend nights, go to a coffee shop and play cards. Okay. Um and that was kind of our thing. Video games did not become a social thing to me until after high school. Yeah. And even then like couch like I like couch co op. I have friend fun with couch co op, but it's not this kind of thing that I speak of in like hush tones. Mm-hmm. I feel like, like a lot of people I know where they're just like, man, bring back those days. Like, yeah. I'm okay. Like games <laughs> are largely a solitary pursuit to me and yeah. I'm good with that. And like, the, 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 there's bunches of that still like Nintendo. Oh, yeah. Nintendo has kind of never stopped doing that. Um, yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. I guess, I guess I know it's still possible, but people, it is a weird thing that people still also treat as a bygone era. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And I think because I didn't do very much of that, Mm-hmm. I mean, like earlier in that middle school, I played, you know, Super Nintendo. We played a lot of Street Fighter and Mortal Kombat and Mario Kart mm-hmm. um, multiplayer as a yeah, kid. Yeah. But it's not um, I've always just been, you know, video games are, are 
just our, our, our me thing. Yeah. You know, a lot yeah. of the time. And, and like, weirdly, the video games were not necessarily the primary focus of those gatherings as well. Yeah. Just, just yeah. like, you know, partway through high school, again, dating myself or putting putting a pin on the timeline, we just we switched from Halo to playing Texas Hold'em because that yeah. was that was what was on TV. And it was a fun thing to do to sit around and talk. And, and you know, mm-hmm. like you know, wager a little bit of money, like just it, it mm-hmm. just switched over like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, here, this is an interesting question. Um, kind of hitting these ones from last month, just so we don't get too far behind. But we'll do some more from this month as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, what is your opinion uh, on the concept of an inherent good or evil within a fantasy setting? Do you find this comforting? Does it hamstring your storytelling options? Does it turn tabletop RPGs into a fucking slog when the paladin wants to murder orc children? And I think we can extend that past tabletop RPGs. Yeah. Um, into the, the idea of fantasy in general. Um, and this is interesting. You know, I, I like picking out questions or topics or things that apply to this month's game. And this reminds me of that thing in Pyre where it's like all saps are conniving schemers. Yeah. You know, that kind of fantasy racism where you can apply a moral, uh, a, a character trait with a moral weight to a race mm-hmm. um, or to a type of person. Yeah. Uh, which also plays into infinite. Because, you know that that's what happened in that so right. this is this seems germane yeah um yeah i i don't like that in a fantasy setting i think that it makes it um uh, small and predictable and additionally even if you say like oh yes then it exists to be subverted what you get is things that are equally as cliche as the straight example you know where the you have the paladin who murders or who, who murders orcs, uh, murders orcs. You also get the orc who's actually a good guy, or yeah. the human who you know like who, who is religious or whatever, aligned with the good, but is doing evil. You know, is doing evil and bad things. Like those are shortcuts to nuance. Like what if bad thing was good, and what if good thing was bad? Um, mm-hmm. and what if they were the same? You idiot! You absolute moron. <laughs> Yeah, it just mm-hmm. uh yeah, it's 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 shorthand. It feels it feels uh lazy to me. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a it's such a um it's been uh done so long, it's such an old trope that mm-hmm. even some versions of it are the trope. Yes. You know, so it it is kind of a not a very interesting place to to play in mm-hmm. anymore. And like mechanically it can serve some purposes because you end up having those tags on spells and items and stuff like it doesn't bother me in Baldur's gate when i get a sword that does extra damage to an evil creature mm-hmm. you know like within the the context of a game like that where there's kind of like less expression like you you play as a character in that game there are a couple of moral choices but you're right. pretty much choosing to be good or a should heal right in that game and it would bother me more in a more modern game that i would want to have a little bit more nuance mm-hmm to it i guess yeah um like at the tabletop like at the table when we play tabletop games we very rarely like truck with a line alignment yeah like characters will choose that if we're playing a game that has it but it doesn't have a fact and we don't pay very much attention to it yeah um characters kind of just like land at a morality that makes sense for them and it's pretty when things have to cite those uh things like if a mechanic cites it we um use specific actions that we recall mm-hmm. you know like this thing you know, and this is just an example, it's not direct, but it's like this does 10 damage to evil creatures. And then the DM will be like, yeah, like earlier you like, you know, torture that guy for information. Mm-hmm. You know, that's pretty evil. This will hurt you. Yeah. Um, you, we just use specific things rather than using something on the, the character sheet. Yeah. And I think that that's something that is um, a lot of morality systems actually kind of try to abstract. 
Mm-hmm. You know, like with like Blank War, remember that, or with um, Reputation Systems in in New Vegas or Fallout Three. Yeah, they're kind of abstracting your your actions to a like the 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 um the the grand uh, totality of your actions into an alignment rather than going backwards. Yes, which is part of the problem with like a lot of fantasy settings. Like I am good. Therefore, the things I'm contextualized, I do are good or justified versus <laughs> I did these things. Therefore, I am shitty or good. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to kind of like dovetail this into Ben Sapatka's question, which is, is there any game that you think has perfected the mechanic of, of a morality system? Um, mm-hmm. And it is stuff like that. It is stuff like um, The Witcher 3. Um, mm-hmm. where it is more about understanding kind of the social mechanics of the world um, or dealing with imperfect information or New Vegas where it is factional um, mm-hmm. or... Um, and you know, action-based. Yeah. <laughs> like in, in Witcher 3, it is purely like you did a thing and it mm-hmm. is a concrete thing you can point to yeah. and thus this concrete thing happens. Mm-hmm. And like the average person might agree like that first thing you did was bad, therefore this thing that happens is bad, like mm-hmm. bad in a moral sense. But the game never uses those labels, you know, for it. It's just like you did X, so Y happened. Yeah, um, you know, and I think that especially in RPGs, if they give you, you know, if if you are given a meter or a number, the inclination is to maximize it. Like this is this is an area where Mass Effect falls down because it is all about like, are you a renegade or are you a paragon? And there are distinct things that will or will not happen depending on how far you go down one of those roads. So, like, mm. it is less about be- being situationally aware and more about kind of con- consistently applying the same the same philosophy, which just kind of takes the nuance out of that. Even if, yeah. like, what Renegade and Paragon mean are not strictly good or evil, right? Like, even, yeah. like, like if, even if those the individual choices and, re- and results are interesting, it is still playing into a meta, like, into a into a meta system. Um, where where you're still trying to max out a meter, which sucks. Yeah, that that stuff bums me out yeah. about the and I, I uh, this actual dovetail. We're 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 doing a domino thing because this <laughs> dovetails into Thomas Gray's question about just kind of what we think about Mass Effect, yeah. right? And like um, that is, I was I've done a th- I recently did a thing where I was like going through my Steam games and looking at how long I'd played ones that I've played. Mm-hmm. Like, what have I not tried, and what did I give up on? And it's interesting to see like the actual number of hours for that stuff. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I always said, like, oh, I played Mass Effect for 10 hours. I played for nine hours, actually. Mm-hmm. And that wasn't the thing that turned me off of it when I played it. But I do think kind of like in terms of a design or an approach to a morality, that is a bummer mm-hmm. to to reduce it down to a meter. And it's a, it's a real bummer in terms of Bioware's history, which yeah. is to take a conversation tree um, and just round it down to you say something <laughs> neutral, you know, good or bad. Right. And and it made I've been thinking a lot um, recently about like rounding off rough edges mm-hmm. on things, probably because I'm playing Diablo three, um, and how that's not always a good thing, and it can yeah. be very frustrating to just be like, yeah, let's get rid of all the nuance of this, right? And when that's applied to a morality system or a dialogue system, like mm-hmm. that can get like kind of generally sort of gross, <laughs> you know, the idea of operating a character because you want to, it becomes that alignment first thing mm-hmm. that Jordan's talking about, like. 
I want to do a Renegade playthrough. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to choose Renegade options rather than I'm going to choose options that feel right in the moment or that are true to the character I'm envisioning. Yeah. And that ends up being called a Renegade later. <laughs> it's like you, you're, you're solving for the end result as opposed to solving for what is what is your judgment in the situation. Right. Yeah. And the best things see the Witcher, see uh, Alpha Protocol even yeah. are about judging in the situation. Judging the situation and having situations not, you know, the it, it's such a limiting bounding box. Like, mm -hmm. if any way I can reply to any situation in the grand totality of your game is something that can conform to a neutral path, a renegade path, or like, I, let's, well, I'll take massing, Mass Effect off the thing because it's so like Fallout 4. Right. If anything I can do in that game is, you know, yes, no, sarcastic, and the fourth one I can't remember, like, you know... If you if you boil down a response to that, you're not really like doing any role playing mm -hmm. at that point. You know, you are just like going you're playing audio surf. Yeah. But with morality, you're just switching <laughs> between three different lanes of thing to try to. And that's just like very limiting in how you can envision the character and what kinds of situations can even be prevented to the character. Mm -hmm. Like if, if you have to be able to reply to them in one of those three ways, that's a limit to the kinds of situations you can even have. Yeah. You know, and I know that Mass Effect does more nuanced things with like choices that are outside of that system, right? Like, yeah, I yeah. got long enough to to choose the genocide or whatever by the for the evil bugs, mm -hmm. like in in the game. I played long enough for that, so I understand it's not literally all that, right? right. But Mass Effect is on a continuum that is eventually turning to that. Yes, you know. Um, so more to the question about the Mass Effect series, I played them and I love them. Like, you know, I was even into Mass Effect Three and its original ending. I did not feel poorly served by that because Mass Effect 3 is one big ending <laughs> is, is, mm -hmm. is the thing, right? Like the payoffs mm -hmm. for the choices that you're getting are in the, the the endings of the individual stories that you are doing as the entire solar system and galaxy is burning down, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's super interesting and good, and it is a satisfying tone for them to take. Mass Effect 2 is still the strongest because it is a series of really good hour-long episodes of a sci-fi television show with mm -hmm. interesting characters and, uh, you know, what I think is fun combat, more fun than in 3, you know, that leans more heavily on the powers and more on kind of the squad aspect, uh, you know, of the of, of the approach. Like, the combat in those games is good and fun in 2, <laughs> um mm -hmm. you know like that that fulfills the promise of the series in a, in a and again in a satisfying way um over time though when i have played things like alpha protocol or the witcher 3 those are games that have taken and done that stuff just to my mind so much better that i'm a little bit afraid to go back because the stuff that I love again about Alpha Protocol and The Witcher Three are things that I just know that Mass Effect Two does not do well, even though I love the the characters and the stories that unfold yeah. through it. Right, and you can just play for those things too. Yeah, yeah. Like you know, we won't. The show will not retire without us covering a Mass Effect. Right. You know for sure. Like I want, I want to check them out. Like it took me four run ups to get, or like three run ups to play Dragon Age. Like. I could eventually play Mass Effect 1 and dig it. Yeah. It can totally happen where I just need to adjust my expectations and look at what it will do well rather than, you know, like, oh, I'm going to play this because I want uh, these characters and because I want um, these situations not go into it wanting to have this Bioware style role playing uh, experience, which it's, you know, not going to be at least on the micro level, mm -hmm. even if it is on the macro level with deciding, you know, whether you genocide the bugs. Um and also just 
there's like an element to that series for me um, where it is that like season three of this gets good. Yeah. yeah. Uh, for me, because the first nine hours of that, the things that turned me off and I can only speak to those first nine hours um, is uh, the sci-fi-ness meant that I had no map for whatever anything was. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know. Um, I can't remember the class names right now because it's been a long time since I played it, but they don't feel mean they, as a word. They're not meaningfully distinctive. It's just mm -hmm. like a noun. Yeah. So I just have to remember that like, this is this kind of semi wizard versus this is the some kind of yeah, maybe yeah. sort of a wizard. Um, and that extended to like shotguns where it's like, I'd get the vindicator and the annihilator <laughs> yeah. and I don't know which one of those is better. <laughs> and then, uh, the real thing that turned me off of it initially, you know, um, was that it feels like your GW Bush versus the space UN. Yeah. In it. It's yeah. very human supremacist. Mm -hmm. And it's all the different you know races are coming together to do something. And you're like, fuck this humanity rules. <laughs> and you go off and do a thing. And I understand it gets subverted in two. Yeah. That's just a lot of season to watch yeah. to get something subverted. Yep. No, it, it's, it's, it's very, you know, watch oh, the, the first couple seasons of Dexter are bad. Yeah. You know, it's very that. Yeah. Um, it, it's it, and that is something that I'm really hesitant to go back to because I don't know, like, yes, you can have a piece of media that is about that time in history, but also we have not really reckoned with the Iraq war or the George W. Bush presidency really at all. So mm -hmm. going back to it, I think it would just be a lot of just it would be still be dismal uh, to me in a in a way that reminds me of just how would, broken and fucked everything is. Be very interesting to just kind of look at it politically. Yeah. You know, um, as, as how that is like i think that like that happens with um god for for the zine i just watched the 1994 judge dread yep and i cannot get 2018 2019 2016 out of my brain for anything uh, right <laughs> like right. to watch something like the, the the theme of this seems to be like be totalitarian <laughs> but not that totalitarian <laughs> like it's a very weird fucking uh movie and stuff and i just wonder like with 2019 eyes like playing mass effect one it's like if when i first played that which i, I don't remember what year it was if it like you know, roiled against me to be to be GW Bush. Now that we are so shitty in the world mm -hmm. theater, yeah. how much worse would that feel for me to play a character who's like standing in front of the rest of the world telling them <laughs> to fuck off? Right. Because we know what's right. Like that Independence Day rah rah stuff like is was never going to age super well. I feel like. Yeah. So. I mean, it's, so it, can it age really well if it's a stance or a feeling that I never, ever had in the first place? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I guess that's true. <laughs> it, was, it was never something that I that, that I really felt or believed. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Yeah, yeah it is. It, it's a it's a tricky, tricky question. Mm -hmm. So oh. um, I, for, I forget whose question that was even. I think I segued us into Mass Effect. I think this might be you. Yes. So this may be me. Um, we're going to finish out with this one. Uh, this is Jake Fortier who says, uh, one, Grant Morrison. Two, uh, <laughs> with the recent success of Resident Evil 2 Remake, uh, what games would you like to see remade from the ground up? Also, what features would you like to see in said remake? Yeah. Um, Grant Morrison is good. Yep. I've not I read anything to... by him I disliked. You should read The Nameless. Oh. That oh. is uh, a standalone um, I think four issues sci-fi thing. And it is him getting out of the DC playground and going back to like trippy sci-fi, like really, really heady, witchy sci-fi horror. Hmm. Um, it's really good. And yeah. it goes down smooth. Uh, I, it is in my uh, cart right now. 
Nameless is good. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was really nice to – so Grant Morrison is somebody who I love, but he has lost me for a while because he has exclusively just been doing DC – like I'm just not – I'm not going to read a Batman comic. Yep. Like I understand Grant Morrison, Batman is supposed to be good, but it's many, many issues. Like mm-hmm. I, I just – I can't see myself get into it. And then he yep. does those big event things, and I think he just likes the G-Wiz likeness of the characters. Like, you know, I'm doing all these Jack Kirby New Gods stuff, and I'm yep. like, I just can't care. Sorry, like go back to being independent or like, you know, <laughs> I liked him on X-Men. I don't think that's going to happen again, but no. I just I can't do mainstream DC stuff. It's not interesting to me. Right. Yeah. Um, I love the filth. Uh, I was really happy when we covered that because it's not something I would have ever found on my own. Um, mm-hmm. We covered that for Try This. So people are like, where, where was that? Which if you're um, a patron, you now have access to. Yes, you do. It's in the fire hose. <laughs> the, the fire hose. Hose. Fire hose. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I, you know, read, uh, man, I mainlined his run on New X-Men. Um, yeah, I am I'm, I'm in favor. I am a well-wisher in that I wish him no particular harm. It's just that I don't, I don't really read that much in terms of comics anymore. So it's, uh, it's, you know, not something I seek out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I, uh, I got you. Yeah. I understand. I haven't, I haven't read, uh, you know, a new thing for a while. Yeah. Like I've been kind of just poking at comics yeah. a little bit. I haven't let my Marvel Unlimited subscription subside because I keep thinking I'm going to go, go do a deep dive, mm-hmm. but, um, I just kind of haven't. Yeah, so, yeah. Grant Morrison yeah. is good. Yep. My comic reading has been like, you know, just yearly a Junji Ito collection comes out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yep. um and just looking for Meg Mog and Owl collections. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh number two, the Resident Evil remake um question. What other game would you like to see remade from the ground up? Um, I don't know. i just <laughs> Resident Evil three. <laughs> there we go. Just keep just keep on going, guys. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Um, I, I really don't think that's necessary, but we'll see. They're going to do it. So mm-hmm. thumbs up, I suppose. I, I think, uh, talking about that more, you chatted about that before you alluded to it. Why do you think that is a bad idea? Um, I don't know that it's a bad idea. It's just that in the RE2 remake, they, they kind of brought in the things that I thought were kind of essential from, uh, RE3, which were the nemesis character, you know, mm-hmm. pursuit in Mr. X. Mr. X is sublime in RE2. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that just kind of the mechanical polish that RE3 brought in, um, you know, A is made unnecessary by the new engine. You know, it is inherently actiony the way that it is. Um, additionally, um, like they, they have like the ammo mixing and stuff. So like the big mechanical things, it just it doesn't feel like it would be as meaningful now uh the chance to spend more time in raccoon city um cool yeah like i'd be i'd be down for that uh especially because you spend so little time on the streets in the that's, re2 that's remake the thing, right yeah like yeah. In, in the the re2 like it would be fun to experience those different areas mm-hmm. um and i think that the, if the like a new take on those actual so like i love mr x mm-hmm. in re2 yeah I think that having it be a choice between having it be Mr. X, but having it be a thing you could fight, but being very difficult Mm -hmm. might be pretty neat. Yeah. Like, I like that you can't fight him in two, Mm -hmm. but seeing how, and also adding a dodge. Yeah. Like, so adding a little bit more skill-based play and stuff, like, I would be pretty into it, actually. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't want to necessarily, I would want them to greatly minimize the amount of time you spend back in the station. Yeah. Which is already not a big part of re3 mm-hmm. but i would want that to be very very minimized yeah yeah um and kind of add in so, some new stuff but i think it would be neat i think that going up through 
um, those, and especially like, this is actually my, an- like RE3 was, was my joke answer. My real answer, which is also kind of a cop out is code Veronica. Yep. Um, because that game is not very good. Um, does not stand up very well. And, uh, is like the story and plot stuff that happens in it is cool. And I would love to see a modern take on it. Yes. So. I agree. Yeah. The, I think, I think that that is, that is a good answer to see them take another run up at it. Like, you know, you're on the prison Island and then you're on, um, and then, you know, and then you're in Antarctica and you do it, mm-hmm. you know, the two characters, you know, in sequence like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I could, I could see that being good. They're just yeah. like, they've got that momentum. Like Ari's back, baby. <laughs> like, I love it. Like people want it and they're hungry for it. And there's never been a better time to be alive. In in a weird way, like Capcom is back yes. for me. Like, it's pretty awesome to like be excited about this, like a developer, mm-hmm. like a mainstream developer again. Yeah. Um, like that. Um, another thing I'll throw out there. Uh, is this and the like future like definitely future waff candidate um dark messiah of might and magic oh yeah could use a like a update the same way like maybe like prey updated prey mm-hmm. you know in a way like a, a spiritual successor that yeah. uses some of the same things and does things with the primary movement mechanic of uh, dark messiah which is arrows with ropes attached to them mm-hmm. and did more with that yeah um because that is very neat in that game it's super cool um but i would love to see an update of that yeah because there is some jank and the story of that game, like it would have to be a remake that subverted the uh, sexy succubus that uh, lives inside <laughs> your head in that game, which is probably the biggest bummer yeah. about it. So yeah, that's a good answer. Uh, to be continue being a parody of myself, the original Silent Hill. Um, oh, I sure. know that's not going to be didn't, a thing. Didn't they get a remake, so it got there? a remake, but it's so different. It's a, it, mm. it is fundamentally a different game, just because it is entirely pursuit based, and even though it hits a lot of the same kind of it, 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 it hits echoes of the main story, but it is mm. entirely off in its own kind of corner. What I would like is a mechanically updated version where it is kind of the weird semi open world of Silent Hill. You are playing as Harry going through and seeing the story of Alessa in a way that does not look as bad as the original one does and just mm-hmm. kind of plays better. I just I would like to see that story told again in a in, in a good, more satisfying way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I replayed before we did uh, Silent Hill three. I played Silent Hill one mm-hmm. and agree. Like I ended up enjoying it. Like it's mm-hmm. very atmospheric. It has yeah. a lot to recommend it. Um, it is not fun. Right. At any point I need the I want the I would like. You know, as the survival horror game with melee combat mm-hmm. of that era, like it should at least be satisfying to hit something with a two by four. <laughs> yeah. And it, even if you're not encouraged to do it, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So yep. I would, uh, I would appreciate that. Yep. Um, so that's what we're going to do uh, for this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as big questions, if we didn't get to your question, uh, we apologize. We will definitely get to the questions from last month. Um, we didn't get to next month. We won't let something go two months. Right. Uh, without getting on and if we are questioning and asked it'll get asked uh it didn't get answered it'll get answered next yes episode and then uh we're not gonna make a habit of this but i and i i'm not gonna make a habit of this i did this bad thing <laughs> um i am i pushed a topic yes to the top of this because it's really germane to the games we did this uh did this month and there was a good discussion about it in the slack yeah and uh so that subject is violence uh in games yes uh, perennial topic as old as the hills. Remember when that was our primary uh, kind of like political concern with games yeah. was they're going to come take them away. That mean, that mean old Lieberman and Hillary yeah. Clinton. Uh, Clinton was uh, was really huge on the uh, hot to- uh, hot coffee 
uh, yeah. kind of tip. She hated yeah. that coffee. Yeah, she hated it. Was just and like, now no. she dabs her way to the pole. <laughs> she, 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 <laughs> she, 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 Pokemon. Yeah, no, sorry. Yeah, I, I got bummed out. Down. I got bummed out yep. and I can't do it again. The next 20 minutes, Cole. The next 20 months Fuck. are going to be hell. Uh, I just, hell, can, can, can I just be put into a medically induced coma, please? Yeah, wait, wait. <laughs> uh, just, um, yeah, yeah, it is, uh, it's going to be hell yes um but yeah so that uh, we're not going to talk about that so much because that has been roundly disproven um like i think it is a thing where like uh i don't think you can totally discount the idea that maybe if somebody is constantly exposed to violent media it might have an effect yeah i think you can and science has discounted the idea that like it makes people violent right you know there is such a i don't know like like there is such a wide gradient between in somebody's relationship to violence that the decision to actually enact it that has to be more profound than just media experience while still allowing yeah, for the fact that media can have you know an impact on people's impact, lives yeah for sure and and it's also something where it's like in a vacuum yeah like it's like if you just taught this person violent video games they might be violent but no one's saying hey this is fake or no yeah, one's showing them you know other stuff at the same time or anything like that like yeah. eh. You know, I just feel like that's bad parenting. Yeah, yeah. Than anything that's doing that. Yeah. Um, the, the the I mean, the discussion that I'm that I'm kind of more kind of more up for having is you know kind of the the distinction between aesthetic violence and then just kind of violence as the staple, just kind of the staple mechanic that we have settled on. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and 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 just kind of good good versus bad uses. Yeah. yeah. Of it, uh, things like that, like. Uh, when is it uh, gratuitous mm-hmm. when it is not like when are good use, reasons to use it um, and specifically for me like the thing that I think about um, you know about about this is I get irritated and this is a thing where I'm getting irritated about other people just doing things that have nothing to do with me and that's a bad habit mm-hmm. you know I feel like everyone does that I should not do it <laughs> I should work on not doing it but just getting irritated about discourse yeah, you know yeah. that I can just safely ignore is I get frustrated when people bemoan violence in games and like period. Yeah. Like there's like this, I think that there is a posture that happens where it's like, there are not um, like a game will come out and it'll be nonviolent and maybe it will be a mediocre game, Mm -hmm. uh, but it's kind of championed for being nonviolent. And (laughs) people are like, where are all the nonviolent games? And I'm like, and I just feel like, oh, they're everywhere. Yeah. Like, actually, <laughs> like we have a lot of nonviolent games. Like it is still probably by volume mm-hmm. the defining verb of video games. Right. Right. <laughs> is to harm. Um, but there, the pie is so big right now, mm-hmm. and indie games and kind of just even mainstream gaming is so yeah. huge right now that you can choose your flavor of this. Mm-hmm. Like if you want to play exclusively nonviolent games, you can do so now. Yes. And and no one is stopping you. If you exclusively want to play, um, if your line is, I don't want to hurt a person. Mm-hmm. Like, I just want to fight monsters and demons. Yeah. You can do that. Yeah. If your line is that you don't show any graphic violence, it's just like a little particle effect and the person lays down. Mm-hmm. You can do that. Yeah. Like, wherever your line is, you can play video games for the rest of your life with games that exist right now and probably be okay. Mm-hmm. With that thing. So as as a perspective of like coming out swinging against violence in games, I feel like that's just like not nuanced and kind of uh, like missing the point and kind of pointless. Yeah. At the same time, like it's like missing. It's not giving credit for the scope of the medium, which still mm-hmm. has a long way to go, but it's 
very very wide if nothing else yeah and it's kind of just a non-starter as yeah. a point I, I so so i feel like it it is you know a one of these well-beaten paths it is a shortcut in a, in a discourse toward criticizing um triple a games or criticizing the games that get a lot of attention right uh which is like you you will always have something to talk about you will always have you will always have something to write you'll always have a struggle on you if what you want to do is say that big games that have a lot of money and budget behind them are shallow for reason x y or z because mm-hmm. generally those are going to be violent things notwithstanding the you know, incredible popularity of the Sims, et cetera, down the line. I I, I think that it, it like you know it, it it is a shortcut or it is a little bit of a um oh gosh it, like it is um like a transcription error like when mm-hmm. you're when you're upset about one thing you you will attribute it to another and an attribution error. There we go. Yes. Yeah. My, my it, there, there's something wrong with my heart, but my arm is hurting. Right. Yep. Yep. It, uh, blaming blaming uh, Coke because soda is bad for you. Right. You know, and it's even it's more granular than that, but it's yeah. it's a version of that. Yeah, yeah. You know, like you are mad at. Uh, I feel like people who are making that complaint are upset about general. It, they're doing a version of the same thing I'm doing when I'm getting irritated at them mm-hmm. making seeing the complaint all the time on my timeline. Guys, talk it's, about what I want to talk about. I'm and I'm doing the same thing. <laughs> yeah. so I get that, but that's yeah. what they're doing. It's just right. like I want these games to be the thing that I want to do. <laughs> but it, it's such a reductive. Just boiling it down to violence feels very reductive to me. Yes you know, as a thing. Yeah. Um, and, and that's kind of, that was the big bugbear I had about this is that mm-hmm. I'm sick, just kind of, you know, sick of, you know, not in a way like, you know, the rebuttal field, like put 20 minutes on the clock, <laughs> but more just kind of in a, in a gentle kvetch way of seeing mm-hmm. on my timeline, like people who I otherwise, you know, generally think are pretty, pretty good. Just mm-hmm. being like, uh, pulling out this very tired, like just, this is inherently bad without examining it Yeah. anymore. Like, I think it just has to be kind of examined and, and brought up in context. Mm-hmm. Um, something that makes me think about it is it's so tied to genre. Yeah. You like, know, like what, what people are really complaining about is genre. Yeah. I'm tired of playing shooters or I'm tired of playing games where I click on something and it goes away or I'm tired. Mm-hmm. I'm tired of pressing a button at the right time when something is near me to make it go away. Like mm-hmm. if you boil it down to wireframe, like, is that what you're upset about? Or are like, so that flavor of genre in terms of mechanical, but even genre in terms of like story and setting and stuff too. Uh-huh. Like if you are playing a uh, a horror sci-fi game, mm-hmm. like it is very likely that is going to be about physical harm or physical danger. Yeah. So like you look at something like Alien Isolation, like that is a violent game. Oh yeah. Like yes, you can't fight back, but <laughs> when you die, it is you know. Yeah. Oh, and, to, and, and to you see the evidence of violence everywhere. Yeah. yeah, and that's because the you know part of that is the genre. Mm-hmm. Like it is that is a a that's the genre that the game got made in. Mm-hmm. So, like, if you're complaining about that, if you're saying, like, we need fewer games about, um, you know, fewer action sci-fi games, mm-hmm. you know, that's that's a more reasoned complaint, I feel like. Yeah. Or it's more just, precise, anyway. <laughs> more precise. Yeah. Like, that's what I mean. Like, yeah, I don't want less action sci-fi games. Like, I feel like the pie is big enough for all. But, yeah, it, at the very least, is more precise. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that might be what people are getting at. Yeah. When they, you know, when they talk about, um, like, like swords and sorcery kind of uh, fantasy mm-hmm. game that's a very popular genre. Yeah. And it's like part of that genre is walking around hitting people with a sword mm-hmm. and like the idea like, oh, why can't it be about making friends and building bridges? And I'm like, well, that's a different genre. Yeah. <laughs> like, in a lot of, like that's not a marker of yeah. that. That is like what we run into with that is like 
I got like like that happens in children's media. I'm not trying mm-hmm. to be reductive with that or like dismissive, but like mm-hmm. happens in like children's mo- like, like you Eureka's have like castle. you you have that like that game is called Fantasy Life on yeah. the DS. <laughs> yep, yeah. that is the version of that, and it doesn't Fantasy Life does not map onto another kind of fiction mm-hmm. very well, other than like Eureka's Castle or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, or or uh, so people are just not tending to or, or like the other way, nonviolent media kind of uh can be in other other mediums are like prestige dramas Mm. that have no violence to them but like what would the good place video game look like you know or something like that or prestige Uh, comedies like what would that look like i mean i I would be i would be playing as one of the one of the demons trying to figure out how to torture people i probably would too (laughs) like it would be yeah yeah i would need to design my own place yeah like there's an implied violence to so many of our genres. Oh yeah, I mean, like, like even Sim games. Like, yes, there is Sim City, but like, you're building a city. What you're not seeing is the homeless people who are dying freezing on the street. That sounds like I'm be either being flip or being a parody of myself. But like, if you examine it closely enough, like the you know anything can have a violence attached to it. There is always going to be a victim to what you're doing. Like totally, yeah. totally, 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 and like. So that makes me think that this complaint, like that there, there are too many violent video games. Are you, is the actual, so if the complaint is, it's not violence, is it genre? Mm-hmm. Is it the fact that the violence is shown? Mm-hmm. Like, is, is it, it gore? just like your, like, like is, is it gore? Yeah. You know, and if that's the case, most games I feel like are not gory. Yeah. Like, and also like if a game is gory, oftentimes there are toggles to, tr- to turn it off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, so like, I don't want to, so it's not, um, I don't want to do violence mm-hmm. and it's, you know, it's not, I don't want to see violence. You know, it, it feels like a, like a, a grand, um, frustration with just a limitation of the medium mm-hmm. that is slowly getting solved and people are just kind of mad that it's not getting solved fast enough. Yeah. You know, like, but I, I really do think that it's, it's the thing you said where it feels like a catch all. I want to complain about call of duty. Yeah, yeah. You know, I don't like that this is a dominant form in the medium. How can I, you know, complain about that? Yeah. Um, you know, so something that has come up on video games, hot dog every once in a while, you know, like occasionally they will ask a question like, you know, like, like, do, like, does this need to be violent? And it is not like bemoaning and it's certainly not moralizing mm. about it, but it's like, yeah, I was kind of put off by the theming of this. Um, mm-hmm. and something that they raised up and I've just, I've, I've had, I've made a little bit of hay myself, you know, applying this, but like, what, what does a nonviolent version of this look like? An example they gave was Hitman. One of them got a little bit turned off by the violence in Hitman, I think, or just like, yeah, I just, I wish I wasn't killing dudes. And I was like, okay, what if Hitman was about like secretly giving somebody a present to, you know, to, to, to enliven their day, the mechanics were were not changed at all. Like you were still, you know, trying to get through crowded places and, you know, watching people's routines and stuff. But instead of poisoning their food, you were, you know, right. Putting <laughs> a Splenda in their food. Yeah. You, you, you were slipping a crisp $20 bill into their coat pocket, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, something like that. Um, and I think that that is the, like that, that is more of a discussion that I see, you know, uh, like from, especially from them as people who make games, but also like other people who are interested in the craft, like it, like it, like, is it worth examining whether or not there is an alternative for, for a given game or a given genre, like how to theme this in a way that does not necessarily go directly toward that. I think that is an interesting conversation because that is looking at how can we bring diversity of theme 
Um, sure. But like, I don't know that that is, I, I feel like that is separate and apart from like criticism and discourse in general. Right. It, it's also like, it's also a question. Like, I think that is an interesting thought experiment and stuff, yeah. but it's also a question that's predicated on an assumption that it is always something to avoid. Like violence is always something to avoid. Right. 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 Like, it is that is a question that's predicated by the problem like that. I haven't listened to that episode, but it's prompted by somebody being grossed out by the violence in Hitman. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, so, like, yes, you could make a game that is mechanically similar or the same by slipping a Splenda into people's drinks and just mm -hmm. get, slipping a twenty dollar in, in their pocket. And then but that has further like that has more effects than, than that then becomes a weird quirk. Like if you map that onto genre. Like that then becomes a like a quirky like Zach Braff indie film or something mm -hmm. about the snuggler, you know, or, <laughs> or something like that, as opposed to like being a pulp action thing about yeah. a hitman. Mm -hmm. And like what I would say is like if you're the violence in that grosses you out, like it I wonder how much of that is just the genre. Like it doesn't feel cool to me to play a hitman. Mm -hmm. Like that's not a cool thing to me. And if you were positioning yourself on the opposite side of like a Final Fantasy battlefield against the idea of pulp genre mm -hmm. like that is just a really big fight yeah you know that is that is a really big thing to position yourself <laughs> against yeah you know and i just i don't i have a hard time relating to that yeah. like it is an interest you know does the violence need to be here is a cool question as a thought experiment and a mm -hmm. way to get around it and does the violent need to be this explicit, I think, is actually a really good question. Well, I mean, and that, that, always gets, ask. that gets into Bioshock Infinite, right? And Bioshock Infinite and Resident Evil 2, right? Like, yeah. then you that is really like a, an excellent or Alien Isolation, like an excellent question to ask. Mm -hmm. But just does it need to be violent at all? Could this instead be a Zach Braff Kickstarter indie movie about somebody who gives people $20 <laughs> versus like any you know anything else like yeah. that to me is or like instead of thief like instead of stealing from people i'm giving them things mm -hmm. like that just breaks a fiction it becomes twee automatically when you start stripping like genre motivation from something mm. you know and not everything needs a, a hard and fast genre mm -hmm. you know but most things like map onto that and it's just a big thing to position yourself against yeah yeah like, um, thinking about like even though Phoenix Wright is a really cute motion comic about quirky lawyers, it is still predicated on people dying in horrible ways. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. like you know, and would would Phoenix Wright be as be as entertaining if you were like trying to figure out who, who took that twenty dollars out of my pocket? Yeah, <laughs> if you made it not about solving murders and then about something solving something like. Cuter or more tweet. Torts. Yeah. 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 Torts. Like, you know, would it still feel as there are tons of knock on effects? It reminds me of the like, um, the thing that keeps coming up with getting rid of um, item placement. Hmm. You know, like, oh, I don't want to have power ups and how that changes the entire reward structure and like reasons to explore and the like. Mm -hmm. This is one of those things too. Getting rid of, you know, making Hitman a game about slipping people $20 would change a lot more than it. Well, it seems like it, it, it would. would remove conflict. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I think that gets to it. Like, w w what we get back to is it is still, you know, the video games, regardless of how complex they can get and regardless of, you know, the different things that we do, we still have the different conflicts that are available to us in media um, mm -hmm. or in stories and man versus person or man versus animal. The ways that those will manifest in um, noticeable ways in audio and video are mm -hmm. you know primarily through do i make this thing stop moving 
like it yeah. is it is still like an effective use of that media in a way that like man versus self would be hard to do just because something yeah. is hard doesn't mean it is not done or shouldn't be done but like you know is that using the medium in in, in, in a way that it should be used right and and is it you know I would never say you shouldn't make your slip somebody $20 man versus self game, mm -hmm. but does that need to be held up as the good? Yeah, yeah. Like the, the, the goal or the, and is the opposite of that. Does that need to be held up as the thing to avoid, mm -hmm. you know? And that's the, the, the assumption that I see that I'm, I would question Yeah, yeah. like, and uh, you know, right. getting rid of conflict is, you know, comma conflict is drama. Mm -hmm. um, like just kind of getting rid of drama from, a context yeah. you know even if the gameplay has drama saying that the stakes of this or the story of this character or what he's doing cannot be dramatic yeah you know almost like it's supposedly you know theoretically you could be slipping people 20 dollars because otherwise their heat's gonna get shut off or something yeah and that's still a consequence of violence yep <laughs> you know if you fail at right. that point like it is it really does like a lot of things come down to whether we have whether our personhood um, either physically or mentally or kind of our sustainability is threatened. Yeah. And that's kind of drama mm -hmm. um, in general. And just seeking to Katamari everything yeah. is, is something I think is a little bit faulty and no one specifically is saying, Hey, Katamari everything. <laughs> right. No, but it, I mean, it, it's, know. it's, it's worth looking at at least a trend in the way that games are evaluated and, you know, to add, to ask or to you know notice, Hey, y'all are rounding up kind of just mm -hmm. by default in a way that doesn't seem to be especially well considered should we think about like how much we are rounding up and for what reason we're doing it yes i right? just i just think it's an assumption that should be challenged and like the other the thing that we we uh touched on real quick though that i think that is worth talking about is like whether ultraviolence and gore is necessary yeah i mean just like and so I, do you get into gratuity right yes and like we we talked about in bioshock infinite why we thought in that game it is not well used right you know in general but i think that we both agree and it took me a second to actually get to this i had to consider the question so like mm -hmm. one i would say you know don't have like a default answer to this right, you know i mean right. and, and do if, you, if you're just sensitive to it and you don't like looking at it i mean in a critical sense like don't have a default answer to it yeah yeah i'm mean, like if, if you have trauma in your life that yes. causes you to react like that like, understand we are not touching that with a 10-foot pole we are coming yeah, at I'm this not... strictly from our from our own protected and sheltered point of view yep <laughs> yeah um so i'm not saying that or if you just don't like it right i'm just saying when you look at it from a critical you start saying what things ought to be mm -hmm. as opposed to what you want to experience yeah but like from a, a like kind of a critical perspective like don't assume it's automatically bad. One mm -hmm. of the things that we both, you know, we talked about uh, Resident Evil 2. Yeah. Um, which is shockingly gory. Yep. <laughs> like, this this game is exceptionally gory, and it took me, I, like, wrestled with it. I'm mm -hmm. like, the two things I don't know whether I think are to good purpose is how often these characters are swearing mm -hmm. and how gory it is. Yeah, yeah. And I came around on both of them. Mm -hmm. Like, I think that the, both of those serve a purpose. I think the swearing is kind of funny and feels like the B-movie side of of resident evil mm -hmm. is kind of back um in a way like that is done to kind of evoke that kind of silliness yeah and that violence is just this being a grindhouse italian horror genre thing in a way that they might you know i watched the um opening cutscene to resident evil one or the when you find first find the zombie mm -hmm. 
um, Resident Evil 1 last night. Yeah, I had fucking rolls across the floor. Yeah, it, they wanted – this was always supposed to be yeah, part of the kind of – again, going back be. to genre. Yeah. You know, th- this is supposed to be a dirty, filthy, like, 70s kind of genre horror movie. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's fine if you don't like that. Uh-huh. But it's weird to just be like well, – yeah, It's, it's weird to too... walk into a horror movie and say, man, what's with all this blood? Totally. <laughs> you know, and that's what I – that's ultimately what a lot of this feels like to yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. You know, walk into a sci-fi action, you know, walk into a Star Wars and like, why are these people shooting each other with lasers? I wish right. they would just make friends. And I'm like, right. it's not, you know, it's, it's Star Wars. It's wars. Yeah. Wars in the title. You know, it, mm-hmm. it's, yeah. No, yeah. no. And, you know, just, I, I personally am not bothered enough lot by violence because I, I love horror games. There are also horror games that do a lot with very little, with very little gore. You know, mm-hmm. like Echo Night Beyond is virtually bloodless, but it is still especially effective horror. You know, mm-hmm. I think that it just comes down to whether you're using it judiciously and for a reason. Uh, you know, like <laughs> brutality is fine as long as it it is not gratuitous. Right. Yep. Like just just can, can it stand up to at least three whys is, is, is what I want for pretty much anything in media. You know, yep, <laughs> yep, yep, yep. yeah. Um, yeah, I, I am uh, on the same page about that. Yeah. And I also just want to throw a clarification. I'm not subtweeting anyone particularly. Mm-hmm. Like, this is just a attitude that is, I have seen kind of in the discourse for years. Yeah, yeah. You know, this is not, I don't want to make it feel like I'm calling out video games hot dog dudes specifically. No, I no, I, 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 they're I, extremely I, smart. Like, right. And it's not, it's not like they blanket avoid any violent games. It is just something that comes up from time to time. And I think that for them, I won't speak for them, but as a fan of theirs, I think that they're just applying their mentality as designers and developers to the problem. Right. For sure. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So, I mean, that's kind of, kind of the, the piece I wanted to say about it or wanted to discuss Mm -hmm. um, about it. Yeah. No, I'm it's yeah. Uh, We, we got a lot of violent stuff coming up too. Like, Yep. It it just it doesn't especially bother me because it is done it is done for a reason and it does not directly contradict the the themes in a way in the way that it happens in um in in Bioshock. <laughs> I'm watching um with my girlfriend I'm watching Deadwood. Oh yeah. Again, which is a violent show, but I think that show actually uses its violence to a purpose as well. Mm-hmm. You know, like most of the things in that show are done for a like pretty good reason. Mm-hmm. You know. Um and the the violence in it, like I also will, and this people can think less of me if they want to based on this, but like I am not above being thrilled by violence when it is used in that good context, yeah. you know, or used in a reasonable context. Mm-hmm. Like the absolute super, you know, the the gory death things in Alien Isolation or the crazy violence in Resident Evil Two do make me feel more viscerally mm-hmm. the danger to my avatar, yeah, and myself by extension. Like I actually get the positive about it too, like. I don't want to just frame it as something that's like, I definitely don't want to like, like it framed as something that is a problem to be solved. And I certainly don't, and even more so, I don't want it to be framed as an acceptable evil. Right. You know, it's a tool, like it's another tool in the box Yeah. and it can be used really, really well. Yeah. The, you know? the, 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 that, that red is just a color that's in the palette. Yep. And if it doesn't work for you, that's cool too. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I just, I mean, when you, when it's, when people talk about what ought to be, as opposed to just kind of what works for them. Yeah. Is is more what I'm rankling on. Prescriptive versus descriptive. Yes. Yeah. Yep, yep. Um, yeah. Uh, let us read responses. 
to uh, to the games. Let's do about possibly the least violent game we've covered in a while, Super Mario 2. Let's start with Though that. Though you kill like a lot of shy guys in this. Yeah, but they mostly just end up falling off the screen. There's nothing that says there's not like a like, like a stuntman like mat down uh, there. Yeah, like, like a bed. A <laughs> just a gigantic marshmallow. Down there. Yeah. It's really just, you know, do you see the violence or is that you're doing it or what is the line? <laughs> this yeah I, i'm gonna take this i'm gonna take birdo's eggs and throw them back in her faces those are ovum yeah <laughs> she, you know she she was hoping desperately to just yeah just, just just fling a light into the future you know but you don't know how many yeah. how many years birdo's been waiting to have kids <laughs> she's been trying so, so hard you know um <laughs> so i'll get us started here with rgm justice who says uh, via contact i remember always tensing up while making the run from a phantom mask key in hand i appreciate that you brought up the uh, the fear that it instilled in children of the era uh it's nothing though compared to the white knuckle terror that Birdgate mimic caused when it dislodged its disembodied head from the fucking wall even after defeating it you still have to throw yourself into its gaping maw like some kind of vor fetishist this was the real final boss it, we didn't, I don't think we talked about it in the episode. I really do like that you have to still go through that gate. It's pretty good, and I love that yeah. it's not connected to anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you just kind of go through a... That game's fucking good. Yeah. Uh, the, the, um, yeah good stuff. Yep. Yeah, um, yeah so uh, Phantom Mask, The Angry Sun. I love The Angry Sun. I want to, like, I, I, I've thought about commissioning The Angry Sun from the same wood sprite guys that do that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I love any, any unintentionally terrifying or intentionally terrifying thing in a Mario game. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. The piano from Mario 64. Oh yeah. That's really great. That gigantic fucking eel. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, uh, Jamie says by contact Mario two is by far my favorite NES Mario, but this may be because it was my first Mario game, excluding game and watch. Indeed. It was the first game we bought having been given the system, but with one game, gumshoe hmm. that is a bummer um of course i was only seven or so and not a gamer yet so when i encountered birdo i was stuck i would play the first level get to birdo surf on the eggs for a bit and give up and probably play some more gumshoe of course there were no youtube videos to show me how to do it back then when i first actually pressed the b button it was incredible i immediately called out to my sister beat birdo and walked into the yawning chasm of the uh bird mouth to the adventure that awaited so the fact that Mario 2 was more or less my gateway drug to years of gaming sense may have something to do with my affection for it. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. No, that, yeah, um... it is. A, we talked a little bit about some of that, like how the tutorializing in Mario 2 is not quite as elegant as the tutorializing in Mario 1. Mm-hmm. Just by virtue of having kind of more complicated verbs. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it is a bit of a leap to think that, you know, I can pick anything up, even something that is carrying me across the screen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, because you can't do that in real life, right? It doesn't stand a reason. Yeah, if you're on a skateboard, you don't get to pick up that skateboard and put it onto something while you're on it. I mean, uh, that'd be yeah. a pretty cool trick. It'd be an extremely cool trick. <laughs> right. Tony Tony Hawk could do it. Yeah, I mean, Tony Hawk could do anything. He can. He's tall. Yeah. <laughs> my fa- one of my favorite things is Tony Hawk's Twitter, where he just posts stories about people who kind of recognize him but don't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yep, yep. Um, Michelle writes via contact. I got Super Mario Brothers 2 when I was six years old, and it was a hugely formative game for me. In the instruction manual, there are bios for all the enemies and bosses and stuff. The one for Birdo reads, he thinks he's a girl and spits eggs from his mouth. He'd rather be called Birdetta. 
This was, no kidding, when I first realized on some level that being trans was a thing. This made six-year-old me question a lot of stuff. That, combined with the game allowing me to choose Peach as my character, got me thinking about how maybe I'd rather be a girl. Interesting. Yeah. I think that's awesome. I, I read similar stories about that, mm-hmm. or similar stories to this. Yeah. I think that's super cool. Yeah. Um, Representation's important. Mm-hmm. Or at the very least, yeah, it's you- powerful. Even if it was initially like on accident, it can still have like far reaching effects. Yes. You know? Yeah. Um, that is awesome. Uh, I know it says via contact. Uh, during commuting to work, I play older games on the 3DS virtual console. I'm finding there's something particularly valuable about this activity. I don't have a smart s- smartphone, so the bus ride is a good opportunity to be to be bored and have nothing else to do. I feel like this emulates the circumstances for gaming back in the turn of the 80s and 90s. You had that one Nintendo game, so you were sticking with it. I found lots of joy from playing the original Metroid this way. You accept certain game design elements and even discover value in them, such as getting lost without a map. You could describe this as something like bad usability, but is an experience that good usability does not necessarily allow. Same goes for having limited lives and continues in Super Mario Bros. 2 and having to start over. Certain, a certain level of mastery over long stretches of the game is mandatory instead of an optional challenge. You'll have, uh, you'll have to have stamina to maintain your performance across several challenges rather than deal with each one in its own. Uh, modern point of comparison, uh, VVVVV. Um, well, of course, nothing really stops me from using the save state features on the virtual console. I did give myself unlimited continues for a while, but somehow I find playing the game as originally intended more enjoyable. So today I was listening to the Super Mario Bros. 2 episode while walking to the bus and playing the game during the bus ride. Good, good times. Yeah. Yeah. It is really hard to go back. Yeah. Uh, to <laughs> get, force yourself to have limitations like that yeah once you once you have a quick load and quick save bound to the shoulder buttons on your 8-bit do nes bro or whatever yeah. like mm, yeah it's it's really hard to 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 give that up and i sometimes worry that that impacts my ability to speak about these games um mm-hmm. accurately to their you know the way people might have experienced them yeah ultimately yep. it's more important for me to get through them and i feel like i can probably at least extrapolate based on what's there from my experience of quick saving quick loading but it is a worry that i have sometimes Mm -hmm. and there are things that like i think the point that's really good in this is that like um it can be considered bad usability but it's also an experience that is unique yes you know or or it's a it's an experience that if something good it just doesn't allow like just the idea that something being good might actually throw out some interesting uh, cool stuff just yeah good good is an exclusive choice a lot of the time yeah you know, and sometimes that stuff doesn't work for me. Like in Sultan Sanctuary, like I didn't, I could not handle not having a map. Right. In that game. Like I could, but it bothered me. It, yeah. Like, well, and that's why you're a fake Souls player. I am a fake gamer boy in general, actually. Yeah. yeah. It's about so. time that I, uh, I say, say it and admit it. <laughs> so. Oh. Yeah. Didn't you hear how much I love violence and violent games and shooters? <laughs> I'm extremely can't, real. Can't, can't live without it. <laughs> Yeah, I, I can't be fake. I love love of Call of Duties. Yeah, yeah, like it, Kill love me it, some gotta cities. have it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh man! Every time you buy a new coffee maker in The Sims, like a, a, a sweatshop child loses a finger. Yep. Think about yep. it. Come on, systemic violence. There's no such mm-hmm. thing as ethical games. Nope. <laughs> uh, let's hear. Yeah, that sounds like a good experience, uh, and <laughs> one that I, you know, just uh, blocked myself out of. Being able to play games in isolation on a bus. Moving on to stuff from Pyre. Sam writes via contact. As far as I can remember, Pyre is the only game that made me tear up from the end credits. Also, 
While playing to win every game let me succeed in the overall storyline, it made me feel like an enormous bastard for screwing over people in a couple of side stories, which is something I wish was in every sports game. There is, like, for a war to have a winner, there has to be a loser. Yep. You know? Yeah. Somebody has to lose every war. Like... Um, I'm, I'm kind of a monster who really enjoys when I watch sports, the cutaways to the anguished fans on the losing team. Mm. Um, partly because I, 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 I wish that I felt anything as strongly as they do. Um, and there's such a big difference. Like these are people who are literally trying to get their freedom. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. If somebody's sports team loses, um, I have exactly zero sympathy for you. (laughs) Right. Like not just because it's sports either. Like it's the same, you know, esports, any, anything that doesn't matter, like things that don't matter, don't matter. (laughs) Um, you know, so, yeah, like there are parts of that. You're probably sad because you watched the Browns with your dad when you grew up and Mm. the Browns winning would reaffirm that bond to you even though your dad is gone or especially because your dad is gone there are intangible costs to it i understand but also it's super funny that you're crying in public yeah (laughs) (laughs) but ultimately too like your relationship with your dad is probably more than that like that would be nice you know but you can you can also think like man i would have been nice to like think of you know commiserate with my dad yeah that's true about this you know like it, it doesn't like <laughs> ultimately the thing that matters is you and your dad not the sports so. yeah not the brown right you know i know this is not what sam is saying sam is not yeah no. that's the thing about pyre and it's like i don't know if we how much we underline the episode but it does take that general feeling of sports ultra consequence and tie actual narrative context consequence to it yeah which is interesting like sports are treated like they are in pyre no matter what but only in pyre are they actually yeah. The difference between freedom and captivity. Yes. You know, um, until we eventually get to like the running man. Right, right. Or murder ball. I murder had to ball. understand by the name of that mm-hmm. movie. I think murder ball, the movie is about. It's, uh, I mean, it's, about, it's about people in wheelchairs <laughs> playing basketball, yeah, it's about, but it's, <laughs> yeah. but it's very fun to miss to like to misapprehend what murder ball's murder about. Ball. Yeah. It <laughs> yeah. sounds like it's definitely about whoever uh, gets dunked on really gets, <laughs> gets dunked. You know? well, it sounds like you play with a head. Yeah, the, uh, the head of the losing team yep. or the head of the winning team yeah. from previous. <laughs> um, uh, Weird Autumn says via contact, I largely feel the same way about Pyre that you did. It's my least favorite super giant game and the gameplay didn't really work for me and the whole thing never quite came together the way I wanted. But I'm just a little bit more positive on it. I didn't get as fatigued by the rights and I was more on board with learning about the other teams and seeing their little arcs. And I bought in a little bit more to the story in general. It was also one of the first games I played after coming out that let me pick my pronouns. And I just got a nice little affirming feeling every time Rookie called me sister. So that meant something to me as well. Anyway, I'm writing in to point out a couple of really nice small touches that you guys didn't address in the episode that I think are worth calling out. The voice is played once again by Logan Cunningham. He sounds nothing like Rux or like Blue slash Breach slash Transistor in this one. So I didn't realize it was him until after the credits. And I'm just impressed by his range. Two, you mentioned that they play the same song during every Ascension about uh, Never to Return. But it's actually not quite the same song every time. Each team you fight has a different version of it that incorporates their own uh, theme music and has a unique verse about them. You don't really notice it in game, but I still think it is cute. Yeah, cool details. Yeah, didn't notice that. Um, I, I I knew that the voice was done by the super giant voice man kind of guy, mm-hmm. and it's good. It's super giant voice man. <laughs> Help him! Help him devise devise a ray. <laughs> devise a ray. It is impossible. Country, countries have declared war on him. He has to deal with their bombing sorties. Please I shrink. Am sovereign nation. <laughs> Please shrink, super giant voice man. 
He deserves dignity. He deserves a life. <laughs> no one knows my pain. Uh, <laughs> you crushed uh, Boise. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, fuck. Yeah, we didn't talk about that, but it is good. Like the game just says, the characters will, will refer to as as if you are a male. Do you want to change that? Um, mm. Let's go for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. What does Matt have to say? Matt has to say, um, uh, I have a lot that I'd like to say about Pyre, but I will focus on the thing that always stands out to me about Supergiant games, the music. It was actually the soundtrack to Bastion that convinced me to play it, and I've loved their games ever since. I don't believe that Pyre has the best music in their games so far, but I feel it has the best use of music. The inclusion of the minstrel characters uh, made a lot of the music feel as if it was diegetic in the game world. The constant acoustics made it feel like Tariq was playing us some traveling music where we went from right to right. Uh, Each liberation right felt, felt epic as the camera pans to the field. You see the two minstrels silhouetted above you, uh, and they serenade the match with a song that changes depending on who was involved in the game below. Even the song that plays as you head into the final liberation rite, while kind of cheesy, dramatically changes how the moment feels. Also, I felt really bad that Big Bertrude's theme was the tuba music that plays when a fat guy walks around in a cartoon. Um, I feel like the alchemist slash naval mechanic slash lady made of several snakes could get something a little cooler. Oh, well. I'm, 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 I also think about fat guy tuba music a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Just, if you watch any measure of like even good reality TV, like the second somebody of carriage walks up, like just they, there's like ooh yeah, yeah. <laughs> just the, the tuba guy's real horny to real horny to to to, 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 to <laughs> licking his lips. <laughs> oh yeah, nope. bend over, bend over, <laughs> sweat into the soup, sweat into the soup, my large lad. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, uh, man. Um, yeah, I've been listening. It's just Spotify is so amazing for just listening to indie game soundtracks. <laughs> like, yeah. I just have those blasting, not blasting, but playing gently throughout my entire house uh, oftentimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's good. Mm-hmm. Um, Ben Eric says via contact, the lack of defensive options in Pyre sticks in my dang craw. While I didn't really need defense, it's not a very tough game, matches felt awfully haphazard. One of my dickheads scrambled around the court. <laughs> my other two dickheads stood around the fire, waiting for the moment that they might become dickhead prime. This is a good response. Yeah. They become dickhead prime. Getting Wolfred cha- uh, changed that. Suddenly, it felt like I was playing a team with defend roles. Wolfred as goalie, Dordariel, or Bertrude, or Pamatha, before I sent them off as banisher, and Che slash Bay slash Zay slash born to die slash world as a fuck as scorer. The game really started clicking for me then, so it's just wild to me that they wait until the last fourth of the game to add an explicitly defensive character. For me, Supergiant is still three for three, but Pyre is by far the most qualified of those wins. I really enjoyed both the visual novel and rights portions, but can agree with most of the qualms you guys brought up. Weird pacing, no real interaction between the two game, the game's two disparate modes, weak expressions of themes, and Christ, those book pages were unbearable. I read all of them, admittedly skimming by the end, hoping that there'd be a payoff that I would just get to the fireworks factory, but nope, Poochie just kept rapping. 
I'm glad Supergiant took a big baffling swing with this game and that so many people seem to love it because I hope someone else runs with this idea. A version of this that works 100% instead of, let's say, 80% could really be something special. I think about that a lot. Uh, you know, I've, I've thought about it since we recorded that episode. Like, I oftentimes think about the studios in terms of that studio's story, mm-hmm. right? Like, just the, the the arc that they went through as they made games and, you know, just like, here's where they were at in this year. I'm just, I, I, I just kind of racked my brain trying to think, like, is there a studio that made three games and had all of them be, like, equally good? <laughs> you know yeah. like like even two for three you know is 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 pretty great what do you call a doctor who got to see a doctor you know or right, a medical right. student got to see a you know call him doctor right like just so it's really hard for me to like even resempire as like being a squandering of super giants time because they've still done good you know mm-hmm. in general yeah, I still, you know, it's still a company that whatever comes out, you know, when um, Hades is out of beta. Yeah. No. Like, I'm going to play it right away. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, the only reason why I didn't play this right away when it came out was because I knew we'd do it for the show. Yep. And uh, they still, I have a lot of trust in them as a developer, even after this misstep. I think I think this is more of a misstep than an 80, mm-hmm. um, you know, than Eric does. But I still, you know, they are not. It was at least an interesting one. Yeah. I, I think the only thing I would really disagree with this like statement too is I don't really want someone else to take a different version of this. I think I've done this. Yeah. To yeah. Me. This to me is enough. Like, uh, this doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Like, this was a fun experiment. Let's not spend any more time on it and <laughs> well, never do something different, please. Yeah. Yeah. No. Um, I'm going to move us on to the Bioshock Infinite uh, responses. Mm-hmm. Uh, Take writes via contact. As an Asian American, I really liked the Hall of Heroes. The imagery is completely racist and gross but also kind of a cool haunted house experience, but true to form because that's the kind of crap that would show up in American comics in real life. I don't know if any thought went into it beyond Columbia is racist, but is something that tends to get swept into the hidden parts of history. I'm glad to see it, uh, to see it up front in big video games like this. Uh, if I can fit a smaller anecdote in, I loved Infinite and I thought it'd be cool to show my little sister and her friends how far modern video games have come. Check out this cool fair and this crazy old timey times in the city in the clouds. And then a buzzsaw went right into a man's face and I realized in horror that normal people weren't as desensitized to video game violence as I was. They pretty much lost interest in the game after that. I've... I've heard similar anecdotes to that um there's like a, i can't remember who it is but there's like an ign or a game journalist guy mm-hmm. who said something very similar to that like this is the game i want to show my friends but i can't because it is so pointlessly violent yes you know <laughs> yeah um and that, that's that's an interesting thing the nice thing is like it's funny though because this came out in 2013 and like katamari was very accident yeah. at that point like there has always been the video game to show your friends mm-hmm. you know just kind of going back i don't want to recap that entire discussion we had but like that's the kind of thing has always existed. Mm-hmm. Show your friends Harvest Moon. Yeah. You know, like they're not maybe not as graphically polished, but they do have that sense of like wonder and possibility that maybe yeah. you're looking for. The the, 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 the game that the like the most of my friends got excited about when I got it was The Sims. They wanted to come over and, you know, fuck around or just watch to watch the little people do stuff, you know? Yep. Yeah. 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 Uh, Paul says via contact. Thanks so much for the fantastic Binfinite episode. I'm a half hour in and it's a real treat. 
Listen, yeah. <laughs> you know, maybe, maybe we said stuff later. This is still, still stands. Um, listening to the generalities discussion about the game being a corridor shooter, I realized that I actually came to this game when I played it in 2016 because I wanted a corridor shooter, something in the vein of Half-Life 2 and the Wolfenstein series. At that point, I hadn't gotten into immersive sims or RPGs, genres I now love. So what surprised me about Bimfinite after engaging with it in good faith for eight hours uh, is what a bad corridor shooter it is. Games like Half-Life 2 don't actually involve open exploration, but when done well, the maze scene, maze and scene of the level will make you feel like you're discovering something on your own, and you shouldn't notice the rails you're nonetheless stuck on. In Bimfinite, all the exploration and power-up stuff, along with the signposting of your route through the level, just took me out of the sort of immersion I'd want from a corridor shooter. Not an immersive sim immersion, mind you, but the immersion of an intentionally crafted corridor. The weird, effect, uh, the weird effect of this is that I was even less convinced that Columbia City was a city than it was of the preposterous German towns in Return to Castle Wolfenstein. Yeah. Man, Return to Castle Wolfenstein. It's been um, a while since I thought of that. Yeah, I haven't. Yeah, <laughs> That's a the, good the game. Machine Head the, games yeah, like, the, the, the multiplayer in that was mm, yeah, really good. <laughs> yeah, Wolfenstein is good. We have to do those Machine Head games at some point. No. Um, those are good. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a great point about Half-Life 2. Yep. Like Half-Life 2 does not feel like you are on rails in a corridor. Yeah. Like the disappointing but, thing about Bioshock Infinite is not just that it is a corridor sh- shooter, even though that is disappointing. You know, the mm-hmm. the disappointing thing is that it's not good. I, th- I think, yeah, Paul hits it hard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Um. Uh- What's Dylan have to say? Dylan says, I was thrilled to death to hear that you were covering Bioshock Infinite, a game that is among my favorite that critically dunk on. I remember buying into the immense hype of the release cycle and picking it up on day one based on my infatuation with the first game. Fast forward past hours of me pumping thousands of bullets into Ghost Mom, glazed over, asking myself, this has to be good, right? By the end of the by the ending of the game, I had so wholly checked out that none of the navel gazing quantum fuckery elicited a reaction from me. Yet, as time passed, I soured on the game in a new way, uh, with almost every month that went by. Yes, I was thinking about the game constantly, but almost all in increasing revulsion. The longer the the longer from my moment of play, the less I like it, for reasons I'm sure you'll cover in the episode. My question to both of you is, has there ever been a game that soured like this in your memory? And if so, why? Uh, yeah, uh, thanks, Dylan. Yeah, thank you. Um, th- I mean, this is my prime example of something that has aged. You know, the more I think about it, the worse it's aged. There mm-hmm. are other things for sure. No. Yeah. Um, but this is definitely like this was my big this is my go to. Mm-hmm. Something that aged, you know, like milk. No. Yeah. To me. Oh, so, um, oh! I, I, I thought you were going to give another example. <laughs> Sorry. Oh no, I'm, I'm trying to think. There is another <laughs> example. It's something yeah. that we've done on the show, but I'm trying to remember it now. Yeah, um, I'll um, do. I'll do mine. Uh, Grand Theft Auto Four. I played. Oh, that, that's a great one. Yeah, yeah. No, just yeah. I, I, I loved Grand Theft Auto games. Um, yeah, I'm still doing. Like I played five, and five has aged pretty well in my mind. Uh, played, you know, got four on the first day that it came out. You just kind of played it straight through. And then just overall, like, yeah, no, that game has a lot of missteps in it that I didn't quite feel so strongly at the time. But uh, every passing day makes me reconsider it even more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Specifically yeah. four. Yeah. Yeah. Specifically four. Three, three uh, was, or not uh, three, uh, San Andreas was like that for me too. Mm. Where like I, and, and that was a very early experience of me realizing like part way through. I mean, it's not exactly the same thing, but realizing part of the way through like, oh, I don't actually like this. Yeah. 
you know, and thinking I definitely did or had to, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, no, you can, so, you can you can emperor's new close it. Like, yeah, that guy that that, that guy's definitely not hanging brain right now. <laughs> yeah, hanging brain. The uh, I I just I can't uh, think of this is my my go to example. I can't think of another one, but I know I've said a bunch of times on the show like games that get worse the more you think of them, mm-hmm. and that's usually what I mean. Yeah, by that. yeah, when I say that, it's a game that like I maybe liked on first blush, but then the more time that passed since I played it, like the kind of like ugh, yeah, you know, worse it gets. And it's that, that's not how that's not just things rotting. Mm-hmm. You know, some things get better. Oh yeah, the longer since you since you play them, pathologic. You know, and something <laughs> yeah, pathologic doesn't get worse the more I think about it. Right. The more I think about it, the neater it is. Yeah, you know, um, yeah. Uh, thank you, Dylan. Doug says by contact. Bioshock Infinite has lots of problems, and I'm sure they'll be litigated at length in the podcast and the feedback. That being the case, I want to highlight some positive aspects of the game. Uh, most importantly, it's a game that has big ideas and swings for the fences on them. Even if they don't all connect, I'd much rather have an imperfect game with huge ambitions than a perfect execution of something generic. Second, uh, the retro covers are an unqualified win. For anyone who likes them, I recommend checking out uh, Postmodern Jukebox, uh, which we, we talked about that yeah. uh, in the main episode. But uh, check that out. Um, you can get your fill with none of that skyhooking or quantum racism. <laughs> quantum racism! <laughs> oh, no. Um Yeah, I, I agree on the second point. I don't agree on the, the first one. Yeah. I think that, like, there are interesting failures, um, mm-hmm. but this crosses the line from like it didn't achieve its goals to like the actual conclusions you could take from this are harmful. Yeah, I don't think this is a harmless game. Yeah, um, I think that that the, the I'd, I'm glad they made big swings can only like that applies to Pyre. Yeah, <laughs> you know, um, yeah. Pyre is a, a game that I don't think is very good, but is harmless. Mm-hmm. This isn't harmless. Like it is, it is a harmful posture. Yeah, to to that that this uh, puts forward and. And definitely the racial stuff, which we talked about, but the thing that, um, you know, I'm really grateful about doing the episode that you and I kind of like, I didn't come into this thinking about what we kind of landed on together mm-hmm. in talking about the episode is the the cynicism about someone being permanently damned and how it does <laughs> not matter if you change or it does not matter if you, you know, change your mind or try to do good. Yeah. You can just be a rotten person to the core across it, all dimensions. Like it. That's it, vile. It, yeah. It, it, it offends me almost in a religious way as a humanist like mm-hmm. just that i think that that is such a such a terrible thing to put forward mm-hmm. yeah yeah so it's it's i just i want it i would love it to be neutral and i would probably feel the same way but it doesn't yeah. feel neutral to me yeah so. <laughs> like I, I was really happy i took a big swing yeah that baseball sure hit that person right in the face yeah no it was just a oh. mail just a mailman like he wasn't doing anything yeah <laughs> Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, what does Michael have to say? Michael says, I played Bioshock Infinite for the first time in the lead up to your episode on it and went in knowing a lot of the reputation and discourse on the game without having actually played it. I braced myself to hate the story and I ended up thinking it was shallow and contrived. It fell flat for me on nearly every level and I don't understand the positive reception at the time at all. What I was surprised about was that the gameplay fell equally flat. I was expecting a gameplay experience similar to the first two games, but maybe with some new wrinkles due to the fact that the city was in the air rather than under the sea. But in reality, the gameplay is made more shallow and you are literally put on rails. There are limited opportunities for exploration and experimentation as the game seems designed to push you from one set piece to the next as uh, as quickly as possible. 
Also, Elizabeth is supposed to be endearing, and I think you are meant to feel some sort of paternal connection to her. Uh, but to me, she just seemed like an embodiment of the developer's desire to keep you moving and from thinking about what you are doing too much. She's a distraction from the fact that the game isn't actually that good, and watching her dance around and throw ammo at you is supposed to somehow make you feel better about the fact that you just spent $60 on a turd. Yeah, I don't I don't know if Elizabeth is that so much, but no. I would agree like with the the general conclusion. Yeah. Um, no. you know, I think it's worth thinking about is this element put here by the developer to make me not think about things they yeah, don't want yeah. me to think about. I, I, yeah. it, she's just so like central to the story. Yeah, yeah. And stuff. Like I think that what maybe what had happened was she originally was going to be something that had a little more friction to her or was going to be more entwined in the play. And instead they made her a power up yeah. because it's more like they overcorrected from wanting it to be an escort mission. Mm -hmm. You know, like they wanted, they made her so uh, fluff the player in gameplay ways because they didn't want to, you know, may have her be a burden because that would ruin the plot. Yeah. yeah. But they overcorrected. I don't think that they set out to or thought they were making a shitty shooter. I mm -hmm. think it just kind of, happened because yeah it was a 10-year development or you know how are your like development cycle without uh you know without a clear goal mm -hmm. in mind for the for the whole thing yeah so yep yep i'm happy that people like, like most of the most of the responses on this have been about the mechanical shortfalls yeah yeah yeah, yeah which i like too because it is uh you know again like we covered but also people everywhere have covered mm -hmm. the kind of uh quantum racists yeah part of it um, which is important mm -hmm. but yeah um john says via contact i was absolutely thrilled to find out you guys were going to be covering bioshock infinite this month and had to write in with my admittedly complicated thoughts on the title aside from metal gear solid 2 that's the infinite one that is... uh that, that has gotten worse for you right oh that is that is something that has actually gotten worse <laughs> yeah. thank you it's, it's one it's, yeah, it's definitely one of them but it's something that like on revisit i was like man like there's neat things this does. Yeah. <laughs> and Sorry. The, the, the things are neat and super unique, and the things that it doesn't do are just like yeah. myriad. I didn't mean to stop Legion. you. <laughs> no, no, no. That's a great, that's a great example. Like yeah. that, That's one, too. Um, aside from Metal Gear Solid 2, Infinite is far and away the most anticipated game, my most anticipated game of all time. Ever since the reveal in 2010, I sucked up every detail about that game that was available, and with each trailer, could kind of track the gradual evolution of the game as it moved from the bonkers E3 2011 demo to the product we eventually got, which was... Not what I was expecting, to say the least. At first, I think that it was the linearity that bothered me. Aside from backtracking to loot the occasional house or store, it felt like the path that they needed you uh, felt like they had a path they needed you to stay on. The linearity killed me even more when you find out that the couple of choices they do give you, throw the ball or don't, cage or bird brooch for Liz, don't even fucking matter in the grand scheme of things, aside from a different item received later in the story. I know that feels similar to the lack of real consequence for killing slash saving little sisters in the original, but given the theme of alternate realities here, it felt like a missed opportunity. What really conflicts me, though, is that this is far and away my favorite art direction of any game. Columbia is fucking gorgeous, and I still use screenshots of various locations as backgrounds on my phone slash laptop. Lastly, I think it's really interesting to look back on the development of Infinite through the lens of 2019 with 100-hour weeks at Rockstar, layoffs at Activision slash Blizzard yesterday, and the push for unionization of developer staffs. I know we've had a few tell-all stories about how difficult Ken was to work with, on both titles no less, but what's really made me think is with the drastic changes from the demo to the finished product, 
with having to bring Rod, Rod Ferguson in to get the fucking thing out the door and all the other things that led to Irrational's closure was this is the canary in the coal mine as far as the sustainability of AAA development, as far as life versus crunch, concept to reality, and maintaining a creative vision from conception to release. I'm sure there are many other examples, but this is the first one that comes to mind, probably because of the relatively public troubled development. Yeah. Yeah. Good, uh, good, good uh, response. Mm -hmm. um, one of the things I like early on before we get to that last point um, is that I think it is like it's not a missed opportunity that alternate realities are mm -hmm. the same thing. I think that's the premise of the game. Yeah. <laughs> and that sucks. Like you're right to rankle against that, but I don't think it's, you know, I understand thinking that has to be a missed opportunity because surely they're not making a point about how you're the same, no matter what you do. Mm -hmm. But I think that is the point they're trying to make. Yeah. So that is a, that is a big bummer. Yeah. Um, but good, good observation. Your, your gut is right. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Yeah. But that last bit is, is pretty cool too. That's, that's interesting. I would have to think about that a little bit more if I think it is to think if it's really the first one, but it is an early example of that. Yeah. You know, it's not the case that miserable people always make miserable games. See the Witcher three, mm -hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. but you know, uh, if, if you are mismanaging the game to the point where people are overworked and miserable, uh, there's probably a bunch of other stuff that is mismanaged and can lead to this kind of fucked up half done, but overbaked thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, yeah. like, like just to like poor working conditions can be a canary in the coal mine for um, things that will lead to a worse, a worse final product. So, you know, even if you don't care about the quality of devs lives, which, you know, I, I would argue yeah. that you fuck should. You. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I'll, I'll do more than yeah, argue. Yeah. Like, yeah, <laughs> I, would say, I would say, yes, you, you, you absolutely should care about the quality of the lives of you know people in general. Mm. Uh, but yeah. also, like, if you care about the thing that comes out the other end, you know, wish for better management. <laughs> Yeah. Like, yep. Agreed. Yeah. Like it is ultimately going to make better games. Yeah. If you were that, and we don't know the full story of this. And this was before kind of layoffs got attention. It's actually like ultimately a very good thing that like these layoffs are in the news so often because mm -hmm. they weren't not happening. Right. Yeah. Before it's similar to like, um, you know, the police summarily executing black people constantly is that that wasn't not happening before. Right. Right. It's just speak. now there's cell phone cameras and there's news about it. Mm -hmm. Now, um, if a, game company does big layoffs like there are people making a stink and like is this just is this mm -hmm. right yeah you know which is phenomenal mm -hmm. like that is a, a big uh a big yeah it is a big step forward it is, it is worth questioning and it is worth agitating about no yeah. mm -hmm. yeah. yep yep um thanks everybody thank you for your responses um if you have responses about papers please frostpunk or stalker shadow of chernobyl um hit us up at duckfeed.tv slash contact yes by march the 15th Mm -hmm. um hit us up by april the 15th if you want to uh talk about the games we're, we're playing in april which we will announce now yeah i'm gonna let you grab that one because i have all of our future months mixed up <laughs> in that, in that quantum I, I, storm. I, I got you fam um so um the first game we are covering is spec ops the line oh yeah yeah it's a it's it's a spicy one it's something we've uh, talked about a lot um and use an example and it feels mm -hmm. good to actually just finally give it the treatment yes and you'll know what we're talking about. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I'm excited to go back to that. Um, I revisited it, revisited uh, on Hexcrank a while back. Um, still mm -hmm. a fun game. Good to play. Um, love the mm -hmm. music in it as well. Um, yep. Yeah. Second... I am there to get uh, just ravaged by decisions. I want to watch my pristine <laughs> jarhead idiot uh -huh. uh, turn into a ragged, bleeding, demon, barely coherent <laughs> demon Yep. Uh, over the course of six hours. So, <laughs> yep. 
Um, let's see here. The second game is going to be uh, a, a first for us, a big series that we haven't talked about very much or at mm-hmm. all. Um, we're doing a game called Halo 3 ODST. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I've never played a Halo. Mm-hmm. It is my first Halo. Yeah. Uh, this is a patron selection from Bradley. Um, and this is definitely the weirdest Halo game. Um, but also one that I think will benefit from our approach because it is like a collection of short stories. Like you are not playing as the same person throughout all of this. You're like jumping around to different conflicts in the same war. Yeah, I'm interested in it. It'll be interesting to go into it as a Halo novice. Mm-hmm. I'm going to find like a five minute, the story so far, Halo explainer. Oh, get ready I for nouns. Get ready for nouns, my friend. I love nouns, man. <laughs> nouns. I, there's a whole thing about how Cortana sucks them off in the suit, right? yeah i guess like there's there's something like that i I don't know very much about halo but i think that's true (laughs) yeah Um, definitely true yeah there's something there's something to that so i want to learn more about that and see like what the mechanics are like do you tap x to like get a rhythm is it is it like really getting sucked off where you want it to be kind of wild and erratic at first but then eventually turn to a steady pressure you know do you have to do that with the buttons is it analog yeah Yeah. i'm looking forward to figuring that out is there machine learning applied like does she i mean yeah is there aim assist like i I just i need to figure out what the the jerking off master chief through the suit as cortana mechanics are and i i think this is a really bold choice yeah well also Uh, you don't play as master chief in this game oh okay you just you just play as cortana sucking them off right so right i don't know what ot i figure it's like orgasm something something (laughs) total or something like that it's it's like orbital drop shock troops or something like that yeah the only part of this i'm not looking forward to is digging out my xbox 360 yeah it's gonna suck but i'll i'll do it for the fans (laughs) yep um and then the final uh game that we are talking about the premium episode for this is going to be uh i mean like we've talked about it quite a bit but we just need to do it and people have yeah. surmised that we're gonna do it um yeah. resident evil 2 2019 yep. edition re2 make yep um it is just uh part of it is just like hey we both have been playing it a lot mm-hmm. and part of it is just we have a lot of things to say about it yeah it just uh we really want to want to hit it up and it is interesting from a watch out for fireballs perspective because we covered resident evil 2 yes so we will be uh, it will be a really interesting companion episode to that one. Mm-hmm. That one from six years ago. <laughs> yeah, quite a while ago. <laughs> yeah. So we were due for a remake as well. This is not us, you know, starting to do re, you know, redo things quite yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is uh, just something we both have a lot of things to say about. Yes. And uh, it's a it's a wonderful game. It yeah. is definitely my favorite. You know, it is early contender for game of the year. Absolutely. Easily. Yeah. So, um, yeah. I, I know that I'm going to play it again, even though I've played the game four times already. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely going to play it again myself. Yeah. Um, if you end up playing it again, uh, something that um, I did my B game is easy mm-hmm. because I, I knew I was going to play it again for the show. Yeah. Um, give easy a mode a, a try hmm. because it is it is easier. Like you don't get that tension. Right. But it turns it into like a fun shooter. Yeah. Like if you have ammo to kill every zombie, mm-hmm. it becomes something a closer to a uh, Resident Evil 6 or Resident Evil 4 yeah. kind of thing yeah. as opposed to and it's. It's pretty, it's pretty fun. Mm-hmm. Like the shooting in this is fun. Yeah. Um, it's nice to be able to engage with it willy nilly as opposed to every bullet being a precious angel. Yes. You know, hmm. I so, might, I might do that. There's neat, there's neat different ways to, to, uh, experience it for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is April. Yep. Um, also in April, we will be in Milwaukee on the weekend of April 12th mm-hmm. for the Midwest gaming classic talking about, uh, games that allow you to make art. Yes. So think um, Mario Paint, think MTV Music Generator, et cetera. Mm-hmm. 
Yep, Mario Maker. We're going to be talking a little bit uh, about um, kind of that whole thing. It will be a survey course, of mm-hmm. course, but uh, come see us. And we'll also be tabling all weekend. Yeah. Um, come check us out. Yeah. Don't be afraid to approach us and say hi. Maybe Not remotely. Yes. Maybe go for a hug. No, I'll hug you. I won't hug yeah. you across the table. That's awkward, but. I would recommend like, at least like doing if you don't have to like explicitly ask for to go in mm-hmm. for a hug, but you have to kind of do the thing where you hold your arms out a little bit and make yes. this face. Uh, yeah. yeah. And then just kind of read the room. Yes. That's what I would ask of you. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, I think that's probably about it. I think so. Um, patronize us, please. Um, thank you to everybody yes. who has done that at patreon.com slash duck feed TV. Mm-hmm. Yep. And the, uh, we really, really do appreciate it. Yeah. And uh, ratings reviews are also very useful. And that's about uh, that's about it. I think so. All right. Uh, thanks, everybody. And uh, until next time, good night. Good night.